Hello and welcome to part one of episode 12 of the Deaf Tour But Metal podcast. Very special episode of the podcast. I'm Gary Grimm. And I'm Tane. Welcome. So I guess we should tell everyone what's happening with this episode. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been very busy. Uh, people who have been following the club as well, we've, we've had a month off. Uh, there's been a whole lot of stuff happening behind the scenes, uh, kind of leading up to this, I suppose. Yeah, with, with the club, we've had a month off, but behind the scenes and with the podcast, we have been uh, extremely busy. Fuck Yes. <laughs> Uh, managed to organize a few interesting interviews uh, with a purpose behind them. So there's a theme running uh, throughout both parts of this episode. Yeah, and so, uh, well, I guess this is the uh, existential crisis special. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Regular listeners know how we're into uh, existentialism and... uh, and just questioning the self and our purpose. And look, it's it's towards the end of the year. We've been doing the Deaf Talk About Metal Club for over a year now. Yeah, this is our first full one, so it's kind of time to reflect, we thought. Yeah, and um, things have been going well. They could always be good. They could always go better. Uh, so we want to improve. We want to take it to the next level. And there have been some difficulties, uh, especially with booking bands for me. Yeah. Uh, my, my job is basically booking the bands and putting everything together for the club nights. And it, sometimes it goes really well and sometimes it goes through a bit of a slump. You might remember our one year anniversary. We had a bit of problem with uh, getting uh, a final band for that lineup, and Reva stepped in and helped us out, thankfully. Yep. Like the champions they are, but the, the problems leading up to that were just um, kind of unbelievable. I mean, obviously this is our, like we said, this is our first year, we'd never done anything like this before, and so a lot of problems we're learning just through experience, and there have been some pretty hard experiences sometimes. So, uh, so it made us question should we keep going should we just fucking pack it in and stop putting all this time and energy to some into something that some people really enjoy but i don't know maybe people are getting sick of what we're doing maybe we're we're just full of self-doubt basically yeah and i mean we uh you know we've we've done polls online to ask people anonymously just like let us have it let us know and we've still had uh, a pretty overwhelmingly uh, good response. Like people are pleased with what we're doing, but we're still finding that it is, you know, hard to book the bands. People aren't talking to us a lot of the time when we need them to talk to us. Uh, Getting heads through the door when people say we're definitely coming. And, you know, it's a business to an extent, so you can't rely on on a lot of things exactly uh we still get some amazing turnouts yeah uh we still get some shitty turnouts and doing something like this as regularly as we do it it's gonna happen it's unavoidable Mm. uh i'm sure the clubs that have come before us and the clubs that will come after us uh have had the same problems but we wanted to do something about it 
Yeah, we wanted to talk to people from maybe different perspectives, uh, maybe perspectives that we wanted to hear from that we might get some good advice from, some good help from. Uh, and I think we've done that with this episode so far. Yeah, definitely. And also... Um leading up into the next part we're going to be trying to make sure that we're not talking to people who are just from the scene uh we want to have people who have no interest in blowing smoke up our asses exactly yeah we're, we're still trying to organize uh some of the stuff for the second part of this episode but we're kind of looking at taking the second part in a different direction to the first part but about the first part uh starting off uh, we interviewed a psychic, uh, Sarah the Psychic. We talked to her about her profession, and we had our tarot cards read, which yeah. is was really very interesting. Uh, we also talked to Mr. Dave Balfour, who some of you might know from the local, the Sydney metal scene, mm. uh, amongst other... Uh, uh, projects he uh organizes the steel assassins festival yeah he organizes the uh, very very cool metal meetup here in sydney yeah which i think has been integral to the community since it started now really but uh so we thought he was definitely a good person to talk to yeah his interview is great <laughs> it's yeah i mean all of these interviews are great and they're worth checking out and uh finally we had a great interview with uh david sinclair smith uh he is an active member of the church of satan uh and he's also in the band children of perdition Mm. Uh, so we get a little bit of satanic perspective and then we try a, a very very old satanic ritual yeah. for ourselves yeah but we won't talk about that now you you'll hear soon enough you, but, you'll uh, hear <laughs> but look we're also going to play some great new music as yeah well. yeah definitely so what do we have coming up first so to start off with well we're not going to be talking about um the music that we play on here very much at all yeah uh but if you go to our SoundCloud, if you go to the episode description, you'll be able to find links to all the stuff. And you'll be able to find links pertaining to the people that we interview in this episode as well. Yeah. So it's worth going to SoundCloud and actually checking it out. Yeah. The one thing we are doing is trying to pick tracks appropriate for the people that we're interviewing, be they musical or not. Yeah. So, so we're starting off with a, a band who released an album this year. It's been copying a little bit of flack uh, for reasons unknown to both of us. Yeah. <laughs> One one really witty uh, review that we've been hearing was Mastodon vocals. Um, <laughs> it's just so fucking dumb. It, like, it's fucking dumb. Like, who cares? Like, even if you can hear those things, like, I mean, I, Mastodon I, are a great band anyway. Look, I personally can't hear the Mastodon vocals in here. I think the vocals are great. I think they're very reflective of the EPs that this band has uh, released. The band is uh, Bolza, and they released an album called Hero through Iron Bonehead Records. 
so we're going to listen to a track from that awesome, awesome album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't believe the hype. Just listen for yourself right now with a track called The Archer. Let's do it, guys. Uh, and straight, straight from this track, we're going to go into our interview and tarot reading with Sarah Barry, a.k.a. Sarah the Psychic. So thanks for listening and enjoy The Archer. Thanks, guys.
So Ten and I are here in the offices of one Sarah Barry, Sarah the Psychic. Uh, thanks for your time, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Appreciate you having us. So Sarah, you're a, a psychic and a tarot reader. How long have you been doing it for and how did you discover your talents in these fields? Okay, well I've been professional as a psychic tarot reader since 2002. Mm-hmm. And full-time since 2003 and how I discovered I mean I was always aware of being intuitive like I'd have a thought in my head that something would happen when I was a kid and then it would happen but I never really thought much of it I just thought oh yeah that's just happens to everyone mm-hmm. and then I'd kind of sometimes construct these like sculptures made of found objects like toilet rolls and stuff and ask it a question you know like when will Catherine Hepburn die and you know stuff like that and I said 1996 I was wrong but she died when she was 96 I was kind of right but anyway <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed with her so yeah stuff like that when I was in my teens but it wasn't until my early 20s that I just attended started attending these meditation classes where tarot cards would come out and mm-hmm. I just said casually to the woman one day that was facilitating them oh, I'll just do your next tarot course and when it came around, I did that, and it then I just went, "Oh, this is amazing!" And started practicing on friends and family, and so I went professional. Hmm. Excellent, yeah. very cool. So, uh, I mean, we'll be doing a reading with you today as yeah. well. Uh, what do people generally come into a reading looking for, and uh, what's the reality of what you can provide with a reading as well? Okay, I think. Oh, people come in for all kinds of reasons, but I guess we can sum it up because we're human beings. People are looking at the general areas of love and of career, and and it is about life purpose as well. Just wanting to have a sense of understanding what their life is all about, mm-hmm. um, where they can be going. I, I guess the read. Well, people come at crossroads. They'll come. Sometimes they come when they're in a really good space in their life. It might be their birthday, or whatever. They might get an annual yearly reading for whatever reason. So they just come as a refresh to get an idea of what's up ahead and what to look out for and what to reconnect with. It can be a good reminder for them to trust their own intuition because here I am, a complete stranger, that's telling them things that they themselves have been feeling. So mm-hmm. it reminds them that they can keep on trusting that in their own day to day lives. Um, what. I mean, every reader will work differently, but the reality of what I can offer, it's not like do this, do that. I never want to, you know, tell people what to do. I'm always very mindful of my language, not saying this will happen. Mm-hmm. You must do this. It's like this is this is what the strong pathway, you know, this is a strong pathway over here. This is what you can do. And so it's not so much about this is the kind of work you should do, but these are the kinds of qualities that you can look for within the work that you do. Right. And, okay. and it's not like this is what your partner will look like, but this is the kind of qualities that they might have and this is what you might feel when you're in their company mm-hmm. so it's stuff more around the the feeling of things rather than the actual exact objective things yeah cool okay yeah. so when it when it comes to that kind of stuff how much of it is reading the cards and how much of it is reading the person yeah for me it's kind of hard to say because it is the psychic and tarot comes into it I, I don't really separate it off like mm-hmm. the I use the cards as a springboard it helps me focus and ground and and there are things within the cards that like people might recognise it. It might be like an image that's been coming up for them a lot in their life already. So it can have a whole other aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for, you know, for me, it's like how it just feels to sit with people. I don't really read body language so much or and I don't do cold reading or anything like that. Just mm-hmm. And mainly because the way that I was, well, I wasn't really taught, I was taught by my clients really how to read for them Mm. but within the first three or so years of tarot reading professionally I was 
well, I was young, I was 25 at the time, I had a shaved head, I looked like I was an 18-year-old, and I wasn't what people were expecting. Mm. And I was reading in a couple of tarot shops or crystal shops in the North Shore, and the vast majority of clientele would be very visibly shocked when they saw that it was me and not an older lady. <laughs> and then they'd sit there with their arms crossed and just kind of look yeah. me up and down and go, well, you're a bit young to be doing this, aren't you? Mm. And then they'd proceed to go into complete poker face. They'd give me absolutely nothing. Yeah, I couldn't right. have ever become one of those tarot readers that ask a lot of questions, so mm-hmm. you know, this or that, and then it leads into what I say because they were giving me nothing. And and so and I just thought, oh, this is just what people do to tarot readers, okay. And it wasn't until I spoke to the other readers at the shop, says, oh, you know how people just say absolutely nothing? Mm. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Because they're all <laughs> <laughs> a lot older, and so they kind of looked the part. Sure. But I'm I'm actually really grateful to those people now because it forced me to trust my intuition. It forced me to really go with that more psychic way of reading rather than just body language, how people look, mm-hmm. if they look like they're affluent or, you know, whatever, or looking at the, whether they've got wedding rings on or anything like that, just not looking for visual cues to help me do the reading, just to go with my feelings. That's oh, very that's interesting, really. actually, yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, um, uh, what kind of tarot deck are we using today, then, anyway? Well, you get a choice. Ah. So these are the four standard ones I usually have on the table. I've got a whole cabinet over there full of tarot decks. But oh, nice. I guess these are the ones that um, are more appeal to a more of a cross-section of mm-hmm. society. There's someone there that are a bit kind of, woo. Tower of the Crone, I love Tower of the Crone, but it's so, it's like, oh my god, it's so, every single card is so intense. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people just aren't ready for it. If they actively, you know, ask for it, then I'll bring it out. But sure. I'll, it's not for the faint-hearted. So this is The Wild Unknown by Kim Kranz, mm-hmm. and it's a more, um, more of an abstract deck. It's different. There's no humans in it. Mm-hmm. It's got birds and um, animal, you know, animal life and trees, that kind of stuff. Um, that's a really nice one because it, because a lot of tarot decks can be very, um, very white and very heteronormative, so it's really nice to have mm-hmm. decks that just kind of take that out of the equation altogether, so anyone can see themselves potentially yeah, right. in the cards. And this one here is the Tarot of the Cat People by Karen Koy Kendall, and she was also a sci-fi writer, and she's dead huh. now. She lived with ten cats in Arizona. And all the cats are featured in this deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. I know. She's, I wish I'd met her. She was looked like a really interesting, eccentric lady. Mm. And this one is the Dark Goddess Tarot by Ellen Renzi Prince. And she also created the Tarot of the Crone. And okay. every card is also a goddess. Mm-hmm. And this one is the Tarot of the Cloisters and by Michelle Levite. It's kind of similar to the Rider Waite, which is... One mm. of the more, most popular ones. Yeah. And this is the deck that I use for pretty much every single face-to-face reading from 2002 to 2013. Wow. <laughs> so it's yeah. my, it used to be the only one on the table. So, yeah. Sure, um, sure. It's my most well-used deck. There's over 10,000 hands on that. and yeah, Wow. I like it. It's nice to use. It's nice to give people an option now as well. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So what are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> It's a lot of choice there. Yeah. Um, I, oh, what are you thinking? Well, yeah. This we is, can use more than one as well, if you like. Ah, excellent. Jeez. Yeah. I, I like the idea of the cloister one because it's been used a lot. You're familiar with it and yeah. you've used it for a lot of different people. Yeah. Also visually, I mean, uh, I haven't seen a round deck before, so it's mm. quite interesting. Yeah. And knowing a bit about the right away deck yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, I'd be interested to see more of that. Cool. Um, 
but I'm quite open to any of them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. I also was drawn a little bit to the cat people one, just because um, we can't really talk about it on the podcast yet because it hasn't happened in this episode <laughs> yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a really good a, point. In one of our interviews uh, afterwards, uh, we were followed by a black cat, Ooh. and it seemed like a grim portent of awesome. some yeah. time. It followed us for about people. a block as well. Wow. Yeah, it was really strange, and it was yowling at us the whole time. So. Yeah. And Gary wanted to keep moving because yeah. we had a long day. We'd done... Two we, different some interview strange parts. things happened that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should use that one. Or both. Yeah. Or both. We could use both. Absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. Black I've never seen songs. one. I've never seen uh, a reading with with two decks before. Oh yeah. So it just yeah, we can mix it up a bit. Sure. You know. Okay. Why not? When it's too hard to choose. It's well, uh, thanks very much for all the info. No uh, worries. Is there anything else you wanted to um, say to the listeners about uh, about uh, tarot or um, uh, what you do, like uh, readings and whatnot? Hmm. I think hmm, if I had anything to say, it would just be that, I mean, like I, I'm assuming that listeners of your podcast aren't like really scared of occult things. <laughs> oh my god. Probably a pretty good guess yeah. there, I think. Yeah. You see. So I don't have to let them know that, you know, it's it's safe. It's, um but at the same time, um, it's just a really beautiful way of getting to know ourselves and, and a lot of people sometimes might think they don't want to see a reader because they don't want to find out what's happening ahead they want things to remain mysterious and thing is things will always remain mysterious i mean mm. this life cycle is so incredibly bizarre and who can explain it without a belief system getting in the way so mm. we've got some it's a pretty out there matrix <laughs> that we're in right sure. so any ways in which we can explore the patterns because the tarot is just a way of exploring patterns in our own lives and getting on track and filling up the pathways and that there's no yeah like hard and fast this is how your life is going to be there's always room to you know to take note of things and to explore other options and and to ruin your life or to make it even better <laughs> as you choose because we've always got that choice and usually our intuition is telling us and i think the cards can just be these really helpful reminders of what our intuition is already letting us know in many different ways oh, that's brilliant great yeah. well thank you so much sarah thank, thank you so much let's um Let's uh, get set up, shall we? Mm -hmm. The group reading. Excellent. So I guess we'll hand over to you to... (laughs) All right. (laughs) ...leave ourselves in your capable hands. Okay, so how I usually begin is I let people know that... um, I'll just meditate for a couple of minutes, then I'll begin, and I prefer no information just the first few minutes, but then I'll check in to see if there are questions or areas to focus in on. Mm -hmm. If not, I'm more than happy to go with the flow, and I do invite you just to interrupt me at any point if you want to clarify anything or talk more or less about something or not about something at all. Um, As this is a group reading, and you've come with a very specific question as well, I'm guessing, so I'm I'm happy we can just dive on straight on in. Cool. And you know, I'm feeling chilled. I don't need to meditate. Do you guys need to meditate? Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty relaxed. <laughs> You're pretty chill? Yeah. <laughs> We're feeling connected, so that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also because the meditation is also just a way of people coming into the room as well, and you've already been sitting in here for a little while already. So, mm, yeah, suppose, you're already here yeah. and not outside rushing around, so, 
Yeah. True, true. The tea's helped. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> right, so what I get you to do is just um, shuffle both of the decks. So just mm-hmm. shuffle that one, shuffle that one, and then swap so you both get to shuffle. Cool. Both cards. And don't want them to fly around a bit. Oh, um, Shuffling isn't really anyone's forte. Yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> not not and I don't like doing hard shuffle stuff. Yeah. I'm a nerd who plays with cards a lot, but uh, I um, yeah, I'm no David Blaine or anything. Yeah, <laughs> get that nice into the mic. <laughs> We're definitely here doing this. Okay, swapsy. Devil on top. Hey. <laughs> I think we'll cut to a bit of Smithy's music to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have some some, uh, elevator music or equivalent. (laughs) Something like that. But um, definitely tell it's a nice, uh, well-worn deck. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. So, what is the question? Do you want? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we won't line it up and try and set it at the same time. That's you can set it for both of us. Okay. <laughs> so, so for both of us, uh, the the main point of this podcast and the interviews that we've been doing is to kind of get uh, some kind of idea uh, whether pursuing the Death Toolbot Metal Club in its current format is viable Mm -hmm. and is it worth putting the energy that's being put into it or if maybe we should start looking down different paths perhaps. Okay, Mm. cool. Alrighty, so which deck do you want to use for that question? What was the circular one called again? The Tower of the Cloisters. Mm. Do you want to try that one? Yeah, sure. Let's go with it, the well-worn one. What is interesting about this is that, I mean, something does have to change here. I guess there has to be this real sense that what you're wanting is not necessarily the same of what you once wanted because you've both changed and grown since you initiated this in the first place. So things have started to iron out in a completely different way. And the Seven of Vessels is that reminder of what was the ideal scenario and making sure there's still room for that to come in and letting life tell you how it can be better that even though you might have had this big idea it's going to be like this it's going to be amazing there'll be all these people it'll be so full-on and amazing and and maybe there was something that had a more still kind of energy but still powerful and growing from beneath in a really strong fashion Mm. but you're moving away from the nine of staves now towards the moon so you're moving away from having to be patient you're moving away from having to wait for the right opportunities i think you've already set up all the opportunities that you needed to initiate in order to get this far stepping into a moon energy means that you're about to go into a bit of a well it's probably about a, a four five week max time period of just strange events. Sounds like you've already been having them with the cat episode. (laughs) (laughs) But this will continue. And what I'm thinking about this is that anything that needs to be revealed about yourselves and about your own individual paths ahead for this coming year, you'll get a real strong sense of them over the next four to five weeks. And the temperance card is breathing down into everything and just making sure that you can just be with the whole mystery of it all. And it's to let this die out what you've what you've created to die out feels like what you know because there's something really um incredible about it and it is actually 
it's a part of this is you know the life force of society it is actually contributing something that does belong so it there is this kind of point where after that four or five week period, so what we're now early December, so we're probably looking at by the second week of January of 2017, you'll have a really clear idea as to, okay, now we've got a really good feel for what this year is up ahead. And, and of course, things can shift and change, but you know, you'll have a, a good sense of the underlying theme of it. And then um, probably there'll be, might be about a two week period where things might just go really quiet and really still. You might go, what the fuck? You know, does this, is there room for this? And and then I think by that, you know, third and third week of January, going to the end of January, I think is when um, all of a sudden inspiration can strike or other people contact you and things happen with, you know, certain venues and it all starts to come together and there is a level of interest that just wasn't there before. And there will be other things that you probably needing be needing to do with it, that it's not um, the exact same format. There might be other kind of smaller things that start to come into it that really allows you both to branch out in different ways, but that will also be really supportive to your own individual lives because there'll be really amazing things happening individually that will be very important to you both and that you'll be wanting to make sure there's room for that as well as just this really beautiful bond you've got with each other through this work and then how you then share that with the wider community. So the three of staves and the knight of staves, there is this real sense that okay, just wait a little bit longer, but you know, the ship's coming in and on that ship is this understanding that what you've got needs to go out into the world. Um, there is a sense of needing to be a bit protective as well, um, that there might be up to about three or four different opportunities that can come from other people that and some of them like will certainly be good collaborations in different ways not um formal collaborations but you know certainly putting on things together um but there might be one that's just kind of doesn't feel quite right it looks kind of nice and glossy quite glamorous it looks like it could be a really good thing but it's like nya, 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 i don't know you know <laughs> so there's um if it doesn't feel right it's probably not right or it's not right for now Mm. and and you can get better opportunities in other ways and if it comes to just taking things slow again then you'll take things slow again but I don't think things need to be slow this time because 2017 for you and what you have created together and what you'll continue to create together has this real revolutionary vibe to it and it's really creative and it's really in your face and it's just like finding ways for it to pop up in all these different scenarios that we wouldn't usually see death metal as well you know, so, you know, it's just like there's going to be a really great cross-contamination that you can, you know, s- you know, spread the good word of death metal. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's, yeah, it's not just a fringe thing that can come in. But, of course, there's always got to be that, um, that when, whenever you're doing something, whenever you are on the edges of society with something that's really amazing, there's always got to be that very delicate dance as you approach you know, a bigger audience to make sure that you don't lose what it is that you've got and so that it doesn't just get diluted because, I mean, that's what, hey, that's what colonisation is all about, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I think you've got a really amazing capacity, the both of you, with your own individual energies and what you spark in each other to bring something that can be you know, brought into the community and, you know, introduced to more people and understood in different ways, the different complexities of death metal and um, and just all the insights that arise because of that. 
but also not, you know, but having like a cap on it so that it doesn't get too convoluted and too complicated and still stays really close to why you guys started this in the first place. Hmm. That's really interesting. A lot of that really uh, resonated with yeah. me. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. I'll be interested to see uh, later which parts we thought the same thing and which ones we thought personally as well. Because I know I was definitely thinking about some things that you'd said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's funny that you said around the third a week of uh, January some things might be coming in. Because mm-hmm. uh, we have a big gig on, on, the, on, a, on Australia Day. Yeah. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, that's really yeah. It's a little bit different to what we've been doing, and also talking about potential collaborations as yeah, well. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, we've had a little bit of experience with that, and mm. what you were saying about them, we're definitely, I think, starting to learn. Yeah, from <laughs> from, from doing, when to say yes, doing. when to say no, and maybe look at more of people's motives rather than just jumping on board when an opportunity arises yeah, yeah. yeah. even um uh, very interestingly the quiet period after with uh gary and that uh they're going to be going away overseas for a while so uh, yeah. <laughs> i'll i'll be doing a podcast yeah. by myself as well and we'll see what else happens there so it's yeah, very cool. interesting to see yeah, nice. <laughs> yay that's cool great Tames So, was there a particular question that you wanted to ask, or you just want to go into flow? What do you want to do? Well, um, I it's funny because I thought I did have a question, yeah. uh, and then straight away for that group reading, it kind of did answer some stuff. I was, am concerned. I'm a creative person as well, and while I can be creative with this outlet, and it's great doing something with a person yeah. again uh, because I played with bands over the years and whatnot. I'd just been exploring doing artwork by myself Mm. and really enjoying that but finding since starting the club energy for other things I don't want to dilute too much so it's sort of taken a back seat but when you were saying both of us branching out to other talents that we have it was kind of like well I'm just going to do it you know even if I'm tired and whatnot so that so if I could just get a more general one personally if that's okay for sure great yeah yeah. cool so which deck do you want to use um I think I might use the cloister one. Yeah. Again. What we can do with the Tarot of the Cat people as well is like this can be like really cool for like a wild card if you just want like a wild card. Yeah. Like what, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was kind of thinking that because the uh, the whole thing about the cats was definitely unexpected. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if Gary was going to pick that yeah. one personally or not. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, because usually with when there's more than one deck on the table, the second deck is usually there is a preference for one, and then mm. it can just like come in as a little kind of you know, punctuation mark. Just to sure, yeah. yeah, okay. All right, so just give them a shuffle again. Great. For the listeners at home. <laughs> <laughs> I do know from, um, as I was saying earlier, um, my mother has been a reader for a long time and yeah. a lot of members of the family nice. i know i'm the knight of swords most of the time oh, so yeah, cool. but, uh, well especially growing up 
and whatnot, that was always a reference thing. Yeah, so it's yeah. interesting to see it turn up there like it that. There it is. <laughs> and what's interesting about this is because uh, just this particular format that I'm using, this is what you're moving away from, this is what you're moving towards, and this is what you're with right now. This is like an aspect of the Knight of Swords that you're moving away from right now. Oh, and I guess whatever we move away from, we do get back to, but you're getting to know a whole different version of it. Mm. So it's like a, a whole maturing of the Knight of Swords process. And the aspects of it that was kind of limiting you or holding you back or keeping you, like if people said, oh, you're this kind of person, you're that kind of person, you're just kind of, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me, and suddenly going, ugh, enough, mm. you know, and starting to explore other options and see as to perhaps the people that, you know, know you best, perhaps, you know, discovering that there are ways in which they don't know you and here's a chance for you to show them mm. how it is that you have grown so being with the nine of staves here for you is you being on the cusp of a really big breakthrough. Something is about to come that you've been needing to come for some time, but it is very much coming from within. Moving towards the four of staves, I think you are stepping into a lot more stability. And I think that, you know, you might feel this kind of slightly unsettled feeling in your gut at times in regards to your whole creative process and creating art. You know, you might feel that until, you know, April of next year, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're not creating during that time. It, it just you know there'll be these kind of really good moments that will be very much like a roller coaster and there will be constantly things that are tearing at you and say this is more important do this and so you'll really need to put your foot down at times Mm. with other people yeah but also with yourself to make sure that you know what is a distraction just a pure distraction and what is a gateway to something that could actually then feed back into your own creative process as well yeah right. and when you get that really good feeling it's like oh yeah i really want to do this thing at home tonight but if i go and meet this person that you just kind of you got a good feeling for it and just the conversation might remind you of something that you've been needing to create or some kind of block that you've had about a particular artwork and just being able to then step back into it with a whole new vision but sure. this magician breathing down into everything which was interesting and that that was the card that you were saying when I was shuffling the cards <laughs> True. I was looking for the death card but you said how about the magician and the ma- magician was to right there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's clearly your card and to have that breathing down into all parts of your life at the moment just means embrace all your tools not some of them why mm. choose you know they're all there for you and they are actually really integrated and they can work with you in a multiple of ways and I think it is also about just being really confident in yourself as well. And, and while some people might see the magician as really arrogant, really it's just self-assured. Mm. And if anyone is thinking that it's arrogant, then they usually got you know self-confidence issues going on. So it's just like that whole being confronted by someone that's really comfy in their own skin. Mm-hmm. And through being able to you know work with your life in the way that you really want to on a personal level, as well as in this collaborative, creative work level that you can actually start to feel a lot more confident that what you're bringing is actually what you're meant to be bringing to this very strange existence that we spoke of earlier. <laughs> but, um, yeah, existential stuff, whoa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's big and wow. it's really confronting. But I think there's five of vessels and death. <laughs> good old death. Ah, uh, good old death. Death. But, you know, it's... um. I mean, the classic tarot thing just says, oh, don't worry, it doesn't mean you're going to die. I mean, of course yeah. you're going to die. I mean, we're all going to die. Yeah. This building's going to crumble to the ground one day. Oh, uh, Sarah. Hopefully not when we're here. You're the right person to have yeah. come to. Yeah. <laughs> you are. So you get us. We, <laughs> we talk about the fact that we're all going to die on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die. Yeah. No, it's yeah. true, of course. <laughs> But yeah, it is that really interesting thing of what is it that we're letting, willing to let go of? And, and here there is a lot of letting go. The five of vessels is about letting go of things that do get in the way. Mm. I think mainly it will just be belief systems that you've got about yourself 
that have you know that you acquired maybe when you were a teenager um belief systems that might have come into place because other people told you things about yourself and at the time it just seemed to be right mm. like you know if you were feeling a bit you know down the dumps and someone said oh it's because you're lazy and like yeah yeah, I guess it's because I'm lazy. Yeah, right. You know, and not even really thinking about it, not necessarily taking it as this bullshit accusation or criticism, but it's just, oh, yeah, well, that actually makes sense because I'm feeling that's a good explanation for not being able to do stuff. But I think the fiber vessels is saying, what is it about those belief systems that you're willing to live without and see what happens if it, perhaps in, even the traumas that have occurred, that how would you be if those traumas hadn't occurred? And so being able to explore things in a much more rich way death does say let go of what is dead you Mm. know to have the funeral for what needed to go already to let dreams die that just couldn't quite get off the ground so that you can know what are your dreams and what are the dreams that belong to other people and then the chariot comes along just to make sure that you're able to make decisions without sentimentality getting in the way Mm. and that you're able to make those choices what shall i do tonight shall i work on this or work on that Mm Not comparing yourself. I have the charity's got no time to compare itself to other people, yeah. to people that have full time jobs and are single parents of you know children with autism and still manage to write a novel you yeah. know every month. You know, <laughs> it's like so instead of looking at what the fuck is going on there, <laughs> why can't I just sit down for five minutes and work on this piece of artwork? Mm. But the chariot just says, "Oh, you don't look at them, don't look at them," because it's just a completely different life cycle, and what it is that you're doing is. Um, a beautiful exploration of your specific wisdom and how it interacts with this world and I'm thinking that the chariot will make sure that you do achieve a lot I mean achievement is a very loaded word it can mean different things for different people Mm. but I think here it's getting a good body of work happening and maybe even being able to exhibit um, at a later point of next year Mm. And, you know, there is room for group opportunities as well as having something that's more solo or solo-ish or, you know, in a gallery at the same time as another artist, you know, so that there can be this sense of solidarity whilst branching out with something that's very new to you. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's uh, that's a lot to think about there. A lot of things flashing up as you're talking and... uh, uh, I'm very glad, uh, as much as for the listeners, this this may be interesting. This may not be for people who 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 know us, but it's uh, I know I'm going to be listening a lot to it as yeah, well, cool. definitely. But thank you so much, Sarah. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Are you Tower of the Cloister as well? Uh, I think I might go with the cat people. Let's go with the cat people. Give it a shuffle. Thank you. So did you have a question, Gary, or just want to drive the flow? What do you want to do? Well, I've been thinking about it, and I figured when I got here, if there was a question, it would kind of arise naturally. Yep. But I'm I'm feeling just a more kind of general uh, readings probably. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with it. Devil on the bottom again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Every time no, you shuffle, yeah. the devil's on the bottom. I feel like there's definitely a joke in that. Uh, <laughs> you get a tattoo of the devil on your bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got, I've got one actually right here, yeah. so it's close. The NFI for the listeners. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had those out there in podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
the fool. Yeah. That's, uh, that sounds You're the fool, man. <laughs> <laughs> moving away from the fool. Well, the fool's all right. But this fool, you're moving away from the fool, so moving away from just constantly taking leaps of faith and pushing yourself out there and fighting through the fears. It's like, oh, I'm fucking freaking out here. But you just kind of do it anyway. You just always find a way to just keep on leaping out there despite all the odds and despite any, um, you know, conditioned patterns, whatever it is. But the fool can be amazing. It can help us start things we need to start. But if we keep on leaping and leaping and leaping, we're not necessarily integrating what it is that we're learning through those big leaps of faith. So taking a step away from the fool, moving away from it, taking its wisdom with you, which is just being able to be really fresh-minded with new things that you approach, but being with the page of swords instead. And the pages, they're very much like the revolutionaries of the tarot deck. And so when they turn up, something new is about to begin. And the sword is all about communication. So being able to be a revolutionary with your communication, finding new ways in which you express yourself. So whether it is, um, you know, it's through speaking through podcasting, it's through writing, you know, just kind of, and just on a more personal level, how it is that you're speaking with the people that you really care about? Finding new ways to speak with them and I guess taking an element of the full energy and that you still take a bit of a risk with your heart in terms of what you say but of course you look at the you know you always sort of be working with the logical aspect of things like well this person has been consistently kind to me for some time now so it's likely that they're not going to you know kill me if I say this or slap me or just say that I'm a fucking idiot get the fuck out of my life Gary Grimm you know so <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of safe to communicate in these really new ways and they're very revealing ways as well. Because the pages, they want to reveal things. They want to, if they're going to be revolutionary, they've got to kind of show a whole new way. They've got to show the double standards and where they are. They want to they want to be able to create a whole new way of walking in the world for you. So if you're moving towards Eight of Cups, <clears throat> there will be things that you move away from that it's time to move away from. Eight of Cups, yeah, it's an interesting archetype in that on, at its most extreme level it can inspire us to live like monks and nuns and at its most accessible point which is how you can work with it um it just says hey look no matter what you're doing just walk on your path and by spirit by that i mean spiritual path and by spiritual i never mean dogma or belief systems i just mean you know practical application of peace what makes you feel connected to yourself and the people that you care most about and what allows you to have at least some sense of connection with the world even when the world is imploding <clears throat> but i would think that moving into an eight of cups time means that probably in this coming year you will be able to make more time for yourself and expose yourself to new ways of living that you hadn't worked with before you might have thought oh, i'm not going to do that because it's kind of too weird or just not what i'm really into and then discovering that you can find a way to have it in your life without it being this weird separate extra thing that it's it naturally feeds into the way in which you like to live anyway so there's some changes there that can perhaps allow you to feel a lot clearer in the head and a lot clearer in the body as well. But this Queen of Wands energy, it's breathing down into everything. It's um, it's a great outfit that she's got on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that Queen of Wands, if it's breathing down into all parts of your life, it wants you to be able to feel as if you can just walk into a room and just, you know, feel as if you're manifesting things. So feeling a lot more in connection with life. And if there's... If the clearer you get about what is it you're really wanting to explore this coming year, the more likely it is actually happened to happen. It's not like this affirmation kind of thing. It's just you know, getting rid of all the clutter and just saying, okay, this is how I want to live. And 
this is what I really value in my life, this connection with this person, my friendships, and, you know, just being able to get so clear about the, the goodness that is in your life so that when you do step into your, you know, everyday life, that things are more likely to flow <clears throat> a lot more and that when the weird shit does happen, you're more likely to be curious about it. And just when you're talking about that cat following you guys home, it sounds like you guys are just curious. It's like, oh, well, this is, oh, you know, they go, oh, what well, black cat, what ifs? Because some people would just be like, oh, yeah, what ifs? Mm. Black cat, huh? It's following us so well. Mm. You know, but it's like, oh. <laughs> it very much tied into everything that had been happening that evening. But yeah, looking at the signs, and I guess the Queen of Wands just says, you know, shine your light at all the signs because they're all there and it's. I guess it's keeping you on the planet and it's keeping you more or less happy <laughs> and it's kind of keeping you just sure. really staying really curious about these really intricate patterns and being able to read the patterns in your own way it doesn't have to be with tarot cards but just like through your words and just images you know what you're attracted to the music that you like you know just all of it seems to be lending itself to help you create your own way of navigating this really interesting life. So the two of pentacles and the page of wands, another revolutionary, the page, the page of wands, and the wands, the element of fire. So it's all about assertiveness, of so being a revolutionary of assertiveness. So it's any difficult conversations that need to be happening with, I don't know, with family members or anyone that's just been there for some time that, you know, you might think, oh, I'm not sure if they, they know me as I am right now, that this is a really good time to help them understand you and know you as you are right now but I am thinking as well that the two of pentacles is just helping you feel this sense of balance that you can navigate whatever happens the strangeness that happens when I look at the two of pentacles I think this would be the kind of awesome card to have awaken within you if you ever found yourself in a natural disaster you know which we can expect I guess with climate change but um <laughs> yeah. and no one doing anything yeah. about it <laughs> so oh yeah I was just gonna sit back and let this happen but the two of pentacles if it was to arise within you if you were unfortunate to find yourself in that kind of situation it's like okay so it's a really new it's a very unexpected sudden change in the way your life is heading and you might have some kind of training on this is what you do in this kind of situation earthquake jump under a table or in the door frame etc but you never know how it is you're going to be going when the adrenaline hits so being able to trust that logic of what you've been trained but really going with your intuition and and not needing to freak out it's like okay you know needing to just kind of go with the flow it's like I knew um some people that were in one of the tsunamis that happened in Samoa some years ago and you know they you know realize like, oh fuck you know shit we've got to run and try and find higher ground but they're actually having to like shake people and grab them and drag them along because they just couldn't comprehend Frozen. that yeah. this was actually real life you know mm. there was this wall of water coming towards them going, what the fuck yeah. this can't be real so the two of pentacles is just this aspect where you can just do what you need to do and yeah it might be really full on but just trusting that you'll have time to debrief later but now's not the time to debrief you know if the building's on fire you don't like going and say but hey look now sit down now um this is really full on I know but you know the building's on fire and like, get the fuck out <laughs> why don't we talk to the fire and see yeah. if we can negotiate you know it's like right, everyone just take a deep breath and become one with the fire you do become one with the fire <laughs> quite literally and then you're dead oh my god but I think that that two of pentacles I mean it's not indicative that there's this really full on shit that's about to happen but it is just you being able to deal with the um the bigger things that might happen at times, whether it's actually happening or just in your head and still being able to create some really amazing stuff and being really assertive, being really out there and 
with the seven of pentacles it is hard work what's ahead but it's good hard work because you've chosen it so i think you know career wise this is a really great year for you coming up because it's like you're starting to figure out how to place it all there without feeling as if you're depleting a part of yourself like finding a way to work where you feel you need to work that's good for your um you know good for your heart good for your creativity but also good for your financial you know capacity and knowing that because you've chosen it that you'll be able to do really well with it and it will work well it'll give you good returns from many levels so yeah wow I think oh, that's it. That's excellent. <laughs> thank you so much. No Sarah. worries. You're thank you. <laughs> you guys are amazing. <laughs> We're all amazing. That's you two listeners. Yeah, yeah. you guys are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all hug. <laughs> Get away from me.
so we're here now with the one and only Dave Balfour, uh, who you might know from around uh, the the metal traps in Sydney. Uh, he's also the man behind the Steel Assassins Festival. Uh, the Sydney metal meetups as well. Uh, the, the metal meetups, the, yeah. the legendary metal meetups. Thanks for coming and talking to us today, Dave. Yeah, thanks very, so very welcome. Very, very happy to be here. Excellent, thank I, you. I love your work. <laughs> Cheers, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never tell a lie. Cheers, all. <laughs> this is not an alcohol-driven interview at all. No, not like none of our interviews are like that. Our surely. listeners would know that we're not. Uh, you know, we would never sink so low as to ply people with alcohol before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Base <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with from the beginning. How did Dave Balfour get introduced to the world of metal? Oh wow, that's that's a big question. Ah, it, how does anyone get introduced to the world of metal? I guess. <laughs> uh, you you get you discover a band and then then you. You uh, you like said music, and you you would pursue it a little further and look for other bands. I, I guess you know when I was a kid, Kiss was probably I had a Kiss record, and 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 yeah, cool. that was just sort of you know something that that opened me up a little bit to louder styles of music, rock and roll. You know, Kiss aren't particularly metal, but you know, um, you know, just just. Uh, going on from there and and I listened to a lot of music when I was when I was a kid and I just loved music so that was what attracted me the, the heavier bands and and yeah through Kiss and and Wasp Judas Priest I made oh, cool. and you know onto Metallica Slayer and 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 then etc etc and uh, that's that's how I got into it it's it's not so much any original story. It's it's a little bit of to me what metalheads do, and then they seek out the music, and you sure. find something that you like about it, and then you want to find dig further to, to awesome. listen to more. Sure, it's good to get the background of the people that we're talking to as yeah, well totally. when it comes to metal. So Kiss was the catalyst, and then onto Kiss was the first band that you would would say was Iron Maiden. I would say is the first metal band that 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 I got into uh, through the Live After Death double cassette actually. And yeah, as a cool. kid, but but Kiss, I would would credit with the band that 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 made me look towards guitar-driven rock, hard rock music, and then you know the next step. So awesome. Sweet. Well, like I mean, obviously you've been into metal for a long time. You've been an active member of of the metal community, especially in Sydney, for a long time. But um, when did that start? I mean, did you start playing in bands at all, or? No, well, <clears throat> I I I did play drums, but not in any live active band. So I did the garage uh, jamming kind of uh, that 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 route, and 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 I enjoyed that, you know. But uh, I don't know exactly why I didn't follow that through. But there was something about just organizing a heavy metal show that that just struck me as something to do, and I I did it a little bit out of interest like curiosity and a little bit out of necessity because i think when i first thought about the idea there was the sydney scene was pretty stagnant and there was maybe one regular metal venue and not a lot going on and this is years before facebook and and myspace even and, and any of that like you had to you know make phone calls and and, <laughs> and print up flyers and you had to rely on that stuff you know but it was it was very endearing to this generation and and um yeah, it was just something I wanted to try to do, and and helping metal. Everyone wants to be in a band, 
Yeah. Well, everyone wants to play music, but you know you need someone to also, you know, help put it on and help promote it. Sure, you know, it's very important too. Put it all together. How long have you been promoting for? Uh, Metal Evolution, which is I originally started working alongside um, a fellow veteran of Sydney, Cameron Mackenzie, who Stigmata Productions. Um, I actually we actually formed formed that together. Yeah, right. and um, after about you know, six six months or so, what two or three gigs, we kind of just separated. Mm-hmm. Amicable, but we're still very good friends. And I I wanted to do my own thing, and uh, I started Metal Evolution. I think the first show was in December of uh, two thousand and three at wow. the Vic on the Park in Enmore with uh, Dungeon. Oh, nice! An Infernal Method back Whoa, then. Oh, I and, love uh, Infernal it was, Method. Uh, yeah, it was. To this day, it was actually one of the most successful gigs I've ever done. It's pretty sad, actually. It started off so well and then just went downhill. <laughs> well, that kind of leads into the next question that I wanted to ask you. Like, what have some of the high points of your promoting gig been and what are, <clears throat> what have some of the low points been? Oh, ouch. Uh, the low points are the the monetary gain. No. Um, <laughs> we, we hear a hundred yes. louder and uh, clearer. <laughs> should, the money you guys had to pay to get me in here is astounding. <laughs> you I said know. you're going to give me that check after this is done, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, don't worry. Yeah. If it bounces, uh, don't worry. I'll just write another one. Give it yeah. a couple more days. Yeah, we, yeah. we had to save for a while to afford Dave Balfour, but, uh, you know, here we are. I yeah. don't usually trust men with beards, but uh, you guys, <laughs> you look good. Ah. Uh, Gee, the high points are many. Um, specifics, I, I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, a show I did at the Metro Theatre on mm-hmm. a Christmas show with, with uh, Lord, uh, Switchblade, uh, Transcend Mortality, Lycanthia, Darker Half. It was, it, was, it was way back in 2006 or something like that. It was the main room of, of the Metro. It was just it fell awesome. into to my hands to do a show there. Solid. And, and it was one of my biggest turnouts, and it was just a, it was a thrill. Mm. When you when you work in underground metal, you do a lot of you work a lot of small rooms, and that's just the way it is, and that's fine. And to get an opportunity to, to work in, in, in a, a room that holds over a thousand people that you've seen some of your le- your heroes play, and then yeah. and to to do it and work that was that was brilliant. Awesome. I don't know, just the countless really good bands that I've worked with. You know, I I, I could name a massive long list. Of, of awesome bands. They're the highlights, just of the, the gigs that go well, I guess, when people show up and there's a good atmosphere and everyone's happy. Mm. Uh, the lowlights, yeah, I mean, there's been some. You know, you, I, I won't lie. After the 13 years of doing gigs, I think it's 13 years, mm. I've had my fair share of, um, you know, 20 people in a room where you go home <laughs> and, and, you know, you've, you, feel, you feel a bit... You feel a bit sorry for the bands that you feel like you you, bit, you know if you if you care about it like the reason why I do it you feel a bit down that you, maybe you, you've had a part in the bands playing to a miserable crowd and mm. or you feel a bit down about why am I doing this but you know that's that's just part of the roller coaster and then you you, you move on and you you try to make the next gig better and it usually is and it's that's really, the whole reason we we can totally relate to yeah, that. <laughs> yeah it, well. it's really interesting that you say that that like the high points are many and that sure I mean. Uh, there's not a genre in the world that doesn't have those you know those smaller shows where people don't come out or there might be great bands and yeah 10 20 people come but i think uh i'd i'd say it's safe to say that for a lot of people if you enjoyed the band putting it on i think it's something gary and i have learned it's still a good gig like you feel bad for the band i know you know 
we've certainly shelled out some extra money to bands that we loved, even if the people weren't through the door. Yeah, sometimes. we've definitely lost out just to kind of... But I found sometimes with those uh, sm- uh, smaller turnout shows that... Um, the bands have been the coolest about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. They've been like, oh, it was just great to play, and we had fun, because, like, we do other stuff besides just having bands on. We have talk to people and have fun and get drunk with them and play the, their favorite music and all that kind of stuff, so... Mm. On, on this level, you know, the, the money part is... It's, it's a necessary evil in some cases, but sure. you, you, you'd, you'd like to think that... It shouldn't even be in the equation because you know it's underground original heavy metal bands. Here. Exactly. We're not talking about mm. if you wanted to make if I wanted to make money, I'd promote like uh, raves or something. You know, like yeah. you would, you would. You just put a dude with a laptop, and you'd have like ten thousand people, and you'd be <laughs> there's your overheads. You'd be laughing, but you know, it's if you want to be a promoter of heavy of, of, of metal, under, underground metal, you know, like smaller bands particularly, like you've you've, you've got no other reason to do it, but but the love of it and anyone who tries to do it thinking it's for a quick buck they're in for a rude awakening <laughs> and, 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 and promoters and fans see that you know actually people people stick by by you a few and then you have those those crappy nights but then again the bands do too and even and they'll tell you as well you know but you can't give up mm. and you shouldn't and that's just part of it and you you, you, you do it with your heart and you just take the good with the bad man mm. That's inspiring stuff. That's what this yeah. episode's about. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, true metal. True metal. I'm, I'm sitting on a horse as we do this interview. By the way, have I mentioned that? Yeah, oh. we we don't have uh, any photos of it, but uh, yeah. yeah, forthcoming. I swear it's not photoshopped. But <laughs> not not yet. I mean, yeah. not at all. Yeah. As part of the check that we had to write from Dave, <laughs> as part of his rider, actually, the horse. That's right. <laughs> but, um, I mean, so obviously, you know, uh, you've been into metal for a long time, like a lot of us have. Um, there's been, you've definitely been to gigs overseas as well, big festivals. You've met a lot of people from overseas who are involved in metal as well. But what differences have you seen, if any, uh, in metal crowds over there compared to Australia? Uh, yeah, you know, metalheads are metalheads everywhere you go. I, I, I know that much, you know. that I don't think that it's it's um, something that I would say people from a certain country are, you know, uh, more in, maybe more into the music than, than others, but certainly some places show it, mm. you know, and I don't think that's got anything to do with, with your passion for the music. I know someone personally said to me, well, you're from Australia. I don't think that you can be understand what it's like to be as big a metalhead because I'm from Germany. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I don't think that we'd ever take it like that. But if you've ever been to a, a gig in a place like Germany or Spain, like I have, and you see the way people are, you'll see like everyone go down the front for the first band, not no one standing there with their arms folded, and they really get into it. And you just have to ask the people who have played in certain countries. I think it's just the way that people express it. I think sometimes Australian audiences can be reserved. Mm, you yeah. know, it's and that's just how we are, and we're not the only country that does that. But, um, look, I really hand it to the Europeans. I, I really think that they have just, just an open way of, of not really caring about, um, about getting into a gig in the matter of you're the first band on early in the morning. And that's, you know, I actually came back from Europe before I started Middle Evolution more inspired than ever mm. for, for, for wanting to do something with, with heavy metal. Uh, wow. That's uh, pretty much how Deftor but metal started as yeah, well. Yeah. Came back from, I think it was my second Hellfest, and uh, I'd been to some metal bars over in Europe, and 
been to some even some little local shows as well uh in cologne in germany i went to this tiny show and the crowd was super nice and everyone was getting into every band no matter like you know like there was a band that was obviously their first gig and everyone was just giving them their support Mm. and it's just it's really inspiring like you say to get something like that happening yeah i I, I recommend just to anybody who hasn't been outside of australia and loves metal to go and experience some of the uh the festivals particularly in europe Mm. you know i think you'd be you'd be very surprised yeah yeah definitely (laughs) <laughs> I, I can agree with that wholeheartedly. Now it does um, help when you got a country where you can buy you know beer anywhere. Yes, <laughs> well, well, you know. that's a thing. Yeah. Oh man, I I like, miss... I'll take a Sunday morning paper and a six pack. <laughs> you know, literally. I, I miss being able to get like a big off, a big fuck off uh, jug almost of beer for like two euros. And that's that's for breakfast kind of thing. Well, that could I just know. be the secret. Maybe the Germans are just drunk twenty four seven. So they, how can you not be? <laughs> Showing your love when you're drunk. You hear that, Sydney venues? Maybe drop the price of the (laughs) the beer and people will show up. Whatever happened to all the pubs that used to just let you drink out of the jug as well when you buy one? (laughs) It's the most economic. The Lansdowne. Yes, I know, right? remember that. The old Abercrombie as well. That was great. How many glasses do you want with your jug? Just give me a straw. (laughs) (laughs) So... So we were talking about uh, high and low points before. I know because I followed you for a little while on Facebook, and like any of us involved in metal, uh, be it in bands or behind the scenes or stuff like that, you've had moments of doubt where you're like, oh, "I'm putting all this work into this, and some, and sometimes it's not paying off." How do you get past that? is is there like a secret to you like persevering yeah i'm an addict yeah (laughs) it's as simple as that you know yeah i mean the thing is life is life happens too while you're doing all this stuff and you know i i'm not saying i i try any harder than anyone else i know anyone who's involved in music whether it be a band member or a um or a promoter or even a fan who just wants to go to gigs every weekend and then sometimes cannot because they don't have the money or they they can't because maybe they've had a child or you mm. know they're not feeling well there's an illness or unemployment like life gets in the way isn't it? Totally. and that, that that's had a part in 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 the last 30 years for me for sure um i've had my self-doubt and doubts and my 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 dips of when things weren't that great maybe um show wise but uh, the passion's always been there, but sometimes, you know, then you don't need to to, uh, to go into it in detail, but sometimes life, things like I've just mentioned, they, they play a part, mm. and then you maybe you have to put the music second, sure. as many people do, and then, but, uh, yeah, it's, the, the addiction part is it's just for real, man, you know, <laughs> like, I know the metal world can, can live without me, I know it would go on without me, but I'm not sure I can go on without it. That's pretty much it. Wow. That's that's, <laughs> that's a great beautiful. answer. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, you know, I think it's testament to... Uh... Testament! <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do. I think it's testament to your success and to your long, longevity. My success? Well, you are successful. Give me that, give me that check and then we'll talk about success. <laughs> but you're, it's still assassins. Your longevity. Success, you know, you're, you're known as a brand. Uh, you're, you've been putting stuff on for, what, 
getting close to 14 years, years now. yes. You know, <laughs> it's, um, there's not many people in Sydney or anywhere else. You who... don't look a day o- over 98. Thank you. <laughs> That's very nice. As you will see on the Instagram photo, right? Yeah. Have no photoshopping at all. It is inspiring, though. It really is. And, I mean, we've already got so much great information. And even, I think... I can speak for both of us when we say you've definitely been inspiring already. But do you think that, um, do you have any advice for us, for Death to Orbit Metal in particular, uh, but also for any other upcoming promoters or, or, or even bands, bands yeah. uh, that are coming up in the scene? Uh, Using uh, your knowledge of. My knowledge. Of, or your years of experience. I guess, well, experience maybe, and knowledge definitely not. Um, <laughs> just. Uh, you know just just think about what you want to do and I, I think it's I have a pretty simple um, viewpoint of it all you know I, I never I never even went I went, never went to business school I never sit down and planned any you know sp- specific strategy or anything like that I just you know I'm, I'm a heavy metal fan that's what I am you know and I chose to get involved in this particular part of of, of the music because of my love for it and all I really wanted to do was 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 uh, vent my love for it and help where I could and and I learned as I went I made mistakes and and I think that's important too you, you need to make mistakes to learn from it you don't don't feel bad about making a mistake you know and if and if you and if you care about it just just grow you know see what you want think about what you want but but go with it naturally if you want to be the world's biggest band then then take it by the by the teeth and go for it but you know if there's any little bumps just just keep moving on with it you know if you want to be a successful promoter think about why you want to do it are you doing it because you you really you want to make money you're doing it because you want to have your name in lights you're doing it because you want just because you love the music and you want to do it the best you can and um you know i i i, I want to be proud of what i do you know and and i've i, I thought about that many years ago that i don't just want to book bands and, and let it happened, you know, you've got to do more to it. And, you know, I've done, I've, I thought I've created reasonable ideas throughout the years of the metal meetups and the and Steel Assassins that I wanted to, you know, not for my own benefit, but for, for, for the, you know, for the metal scene in Sydney, especially, it's benefit, you know, and, yeah, it's, just, it's this is the major corny part of the interview. No, but the, but the, but the metal scene is, they, they are my family. I know lots of people, they shudder and they go, Ugh, when you hear that kind of stuff, fine if that's how you are, but that's, me like I don't have any friends outside the metal scene I probably have very few in the metal scene but <laughs> I still consider the metal scene maybe people don't even like the word scene but you know the metal family that, that, that's and that's the whole idea of the meetups too you know like they this if you go to a metal geek you'll understand yeah you know especially local gigs when the reason why people are there are, is for the music you know mm. yeah community Community. Definitely get that feeling, especially from the metal meetups. That kind of community, family yeah. feeling. Everyone's just so happy to be there that this uh, this event is happening and that they've got a chance to catch up with everyone. Well, you know, when you go to a gig and and you start talking to people, and then all of a sudden someone runs off going, oh, "I've got to watch this band," or someone wants to have a chat with you in the second row during a band, you can't even <laughs> think, and they're screaming in your ear. And the whole idea was like, you know. Just go somewhere. We'll pretend there's a gig on, but there's no bands, and then let's just talk. Mm. You know, because we see each other every week or every fortnight or every month, and you know, it's you, most a lot of people know each other, but at the same time, there's been new people come in, and I've had every single meetup. I've had a couple of new people come in who have come up 
and said that how friendly everyone was and yeah. and there's no marketing to the metal meetup at all. There's no flyers, there's no posters, there's no entry fee, there's no there's no pretentiousness. It's just can I swear on this program? Well, oh, it's of like fuck, you fuck know. It's like <laughs> it's like come along and drink some beers, listen to metal, go to Utopia and buy some records too because I'm I'm a metal collector Support, and yeah, just yeah. just hang out, you know? Like why not? I, uh, it's funny, I, um, when Gary and I started this, I'd never actually made it to a metal meetup. I'd, you know, bounced back and forth between the Blue Mountains, you know, a little bit overseas, not much. I've been around a lot of the time. As we were saying earlier, before the interview, I hadn't played in bands for a bit. And so we went to the meetup because we thought, you know, it's a good idea, especially when we're starting this. We should be talking to people, reconnecting or connecting in the first place. And it really was... Uh, it was fucking beautiful, man. Like, you know, we really appreciate it. I bought, uh, friends from Sweden, uh, who were from a band called Human Desolation. They fucking loved it. Uh, you know, we're still talking about it when they went back. Um, but, you know, getting to, getting to meet people in bands that you've seen a million times, but you've never said, never had a chance to say a word to, it's, um, it's a really wonderful thing, you know? Well, I mean, in all honesty, it was, it, the original one was just... <laughs> It's almost embarrassing to say it was me just just putting a message out to, to some friends going, "Do you want to come and buy some records and get drunk in the pub next door?" <laughs> you know, and like if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it by myself. But if one of you will come along, that'd be it'd be better to have a conversation. And then the first one might have been, you know, twenty um, odd people sitting at two tables uh, that I knew mostly as friends. And then mm. now we're up to the seventh one, and then the last seventh, I think, yeah, and the last one, you know, if you go on to it, this. Some bands wish they had that many people at their show. <laughs> I'm serious. That's true, man. I'm serious, but you know, I've been to the last, I think four, maybe, and yeah, uh, always a huge turnout and always the nicest people. It's, mm. it's like you're saying, it's like the best parts of the intermission at a yeah. at a local metal show. Except you can hear what people are saying and <laughs> actually catch up with the people. Well, I honestly didn't know how it was going to get taken because I thought people might go, well, that's not something I'm interested in or that sounds a bit dull or, well, we can just do this at our house or whatever. And you know, like I said, there was no other plan. There's no, it's not to make anyone money or to, and it was just supposed to be. And the reason where it is is because it was tied in with Utopia, which I thought was a landmark venue, a mm. landmark shop, sorry, of, of the heavy metal. And it was, there was supposed to be an element of, of, of hey, who's a nerd who likes to buy records as well? And that's just tied in there. Mm. And, and, and like, I don't know any other, um, you know, around the country. There's like, there, there's no, and I've had actually since. Since it, I've actually had a couple of people in different places message me going, we're thinking about doing a metal meetup in oh, this place, brilliant. you know, in Canberra or in, 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 in here. And like, I go, just do it. I don't own the copyright. There is no copyright. I don't want a copyright. <laughs> you know, I think that'd be great. I think there should be all over the place. And even, even a guy in Melbourne, you know, I, you know, I go, you're, I said, your metal scene's so strong down there, you know. You're, it is. Melbourne's like, mm. and they go, yeah, but we don't have a meetup. Yeah, you know, yeah, like wow. we we get jealous when we see that meetup because it just looks like a whole bunch of friends hanging out and. Who'd have thought so, that seed yeah. that you planted grew into this huge, uh, you know, tree? Yeah, Yet another rivalry between uh, Sydney and seeds. Melbourne as well. <laughs> no, Except no, one that we won. There is no rivalry. <laughs> no. I was going to say there is no rivalry because we never win. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I love Melbourne. Uh, look, 
we've we've kept you for quite a while uh so do you have anything that you want to plug and do you have any uh parting uh words that you'd like to to give the listeners we've got listeners all over the world so anything wow that you want to say to the metal community all over the world metal no i'll just Wow, what can I say? That's just that's a huge question. You just dumped it. You should have given me time to like plan and answer that. Is there anything you want to say to metalheads across the world? Yeah, some of the best things come from spontaneity. Spontaneity, right? because it's, metal it's, spontaneity has its time and its place. So. <laughs> um, look, just I don't know. Just a thank you, everyone, for supporting heavy metal around the world. Not for my own personal, you know, gratification. I think, but just you know, for just keeping this music alive and music that is constantly ignored at and, and middle fingered by people who don't understand it and don't care about it or ridicule it. It's so easy to ridicule really. Um, you know, I see that from outside of it, but the fact that you choose it and you follow it and, and you believe in it, I think that's amazing. And as far as plugging anything, Steel Assassins 2017 next year, the first weekend of November, it's going to be massive. I'm, I'm extremely proud of that baby. It's, it's, it's done huge things. I've had bands from the States, Italy, New Zealand. Everyone come over here. had a, you know, just, yeah. It's, sorry, sorry to be such a hound with plugging it. But, no, uh, no, no, no. Um, hey, we asked you, man. It's, yeah, it, we did. And you, and you're I, taking... I appreciate the support and everything that's achieved because uh, never in my wildest dreams that I imagined it was going to become such a, a, uh, a respected spot on the metal calendar in in Australia, really, it's becoming that way. So yeah, yeah. it's like um, you know, like metal for the brain was. You know, uh, it was that thing that everyone would travel for, and now Steel Assassins is that thing. Well, like I said, you know, I mean, I, I just want to be the guy behind the scenes that does this. I don't want the spotlight. I don't. I don't really care for that stuff. But it, it blows my mind that kind of stuff. And when. When I have a guy come over from Switzerland, not specifically just for the festival, but came over here for two years in a row and timed his holiday so he could go to it. Wow, that's and, brilliant. And, you know, see the, the excitement on his face for all the bands, and it, that kind of stuff, you know. That's magic. The metal world has shrunk. It's yeah, yeah, totally. And you're taking submissions for the next um, Steel yeah, Assassins Yeah, yes, now. Uh, yes, I'm... Um, please, uh, metalevolution at hotmail.com if you're in a band or you know a band or you... You want a band to play? Email them and tell them to contact me. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, without sounding um, pretentious at all, it is the best of the best. I want the best bands. You know, how mm. you how you need that. You know, you also need that for for this kind of event to be a pinnacle. So, um, or, but you know, or you know, if they don't think they've got the chops to play such a big festival, if they want to come play at Death Door but Metal, or just practice. Death Door but Metal is, is is awesome too. Okay, like you know, I've I've been to <laughs> one of you, your sir. events, and you know, yes, you know, uh, I was very appreciative. I I I um kind of sculpted my DJ playlist around your arrival. So. <laughs> oh, no, I heard I heard some Man of War there, but. <laughs> But you know, and the, the 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 you know, the metal underground is a pretty small thing, and then and for people to honestly think that they, their shows or their clubs or their gigs or, their band or whatever is not being noticed or heard by other people, you know that's that's something that's a bit, a bit silly to not think that that's happening. So I mean, we we all sort of are, most people are aware of what's going on, mm. and I think that, my final words, if I can just say on this, I don't mm. think there should be any competing. I think that. 
you know, I'd like to see people support, bands support other bands, promoters support other promoters, sure. all that kind of thing. There shouldn't be any of that rubbish going on. Look. Sometimes we have clashes in dates and venues, I and mean, that that stuff is most of the time it's it's, it's going to happen. It uh, just happens. It's unavoidable. Mm. And, and if you can I ultimately totally get if you ultimately get good crowds in two or three different venues on the same night, everybody wins. Yeah. Totally. Well, you know, major city, it should ha- it should be able to happen. It should, it should. Yeah. And look, I totally agree with what you're saying. We've had maybe a couple of people that have had uh, it, taken issue with us. Uh, we're, and we're yeah, to- I apologize for that. We're, <laughs> we're totally open to bury the hatchet if they're listening and if they want to talk to us. And yeah, definitely. It, it should be about community like you've been saying and about mm. the passion for it and, you know, it's not about money or numbers or anything or ego like that. or anything like that. It's um, about no, but unfortunately, there is always an element of, of, I guess you could say, numbers because you know, again, you know, it, some some it depends on your on your perspective. But some venues or, or gigs or whatever, you know, they're, they're, obviously you want to do the best. I always say if you can do the best you can, and the, and you and the person on the same night can, mm. as well. But there should never definitely be no nobody has owns you know the 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 copyright to the scene or anything like that totally. you know I, I, mm. I don't I wish every promoter you know as long as they don't clash with me no <laughs> I, I wish them the best and, and I support them where I can I really do same here if they're in it for the right reasons if they're not trying to make a buck like we've mentioned earlier then mm. you know more power to them one uh, let, Dio, let Dio watch over them yes indeed one more thing quickly uh, just speaking about community uh, the next metal meetup yeah Is when's there, that uh, happening I, I Saturday wow you're testing me you put me on the spot here. <laughs> Saturday February 11th or 12th oh 11th look, or 12th my birthday if it's the 12th hell yeah is that a Saturday uh maybe it's the same night as the Blast talk about clashing geeks Blast Grind Death Fest uh, at the Manning the Bar King Parrot, oh. but, but it's not the same night because the metal meetup takes place during the during afternoon the and the daytime yeah. in yeah. fact um, you talk, talk about community the uh, the promoters of that festival and I have already started talking and uh, hope we're hoping to get some of the uh, band members like King Power and that down in the afternoon oh. for a drink and, and oh, to be part of the meetup before the festival so yeah. that'd be you know, great that kind of stuff I think is important in, to, to work with each other too so you heard yeah. it here first folks oh yeah exclusive yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll put all the links and all that kind of stuff to contact Dave if you're in a band, or uh, we'll put up the Facebook event for the metal meetup and whatnot. Yeah. In the SoundCloud. But uh, thank you very much, Dave Balfour, for coming and uh, you know spinning a yarn with yeah. us. Yeah, a true that metal was, gentleman. That was that was actually a lot more painless than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't we haven't tested out the double bed that's sitting over here. That's the painful part. <laughs> Yeah, this microphone after we turn it off. Uh... You look like you can handle pain, Gary. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Cut!
So we're joined now by David Sinclair Smith. He is the vocalist, uh, bass player, and brainchild, I'd say, behind... Uh, <laughs> Minimal brainchild. <laughs> <laughs> behind uh, the band Children of Perdition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is also a Satanist and member of the Church of Satan. That is correct. Welcome, is correct. Welcome, welcome, David. David. Thank you, guys. Excellent. <laughs> thanks for joining us. on this podcast. It's good. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. No yeah, yeah. Appreciate your time. Uh, look, to start off with, uh, could you please explain to our listeners the, the fundamentals of Levian Satanism and what sets uh, that apart from a more uh, theist uh, belief system that views Satan as an actual supernatural entity or, or something like uh, anti-cosmic Gnostic Satanism, sure. stuff like that? Okay. Again, this is my personal opinion, and a lot of people on the internet are going to want distinctions and things like that of types of Satanism. Sure. Uh, For those in the Church of Satan, we feel theistic Satanism versus LaVeyan Satanism. Uh, For us and the members of the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey was the first guy to codify Satanism as an actual religion. Right. Okay. Prior to that, there were other Satanic groups, yes. And there are various other philosophies that hinted at a satanic viewpoint. However, they did not publish anything that said, this is the religion and philosophy of Satanism. Anton LaVey was the first guy to do that. So he's stuck, boom, you know, the the, the, the first guy on the moon type thing, plant, <laughs> plant the flag on the moon surface type thing for Satanism. So... As far as the Church of Satan is concerned, there is just Satanists and Satanism, and that is defined by the Satanic Bible, which is governed by the Church of Satan. So the Levian Satanism thing is a relatively new thing that's come across with the internet because there's all these other groups saying, oh no, we're Satanists, we use the philosophy of Anton Levay in the Satanic Bible, but we believe that Satan's real. And it's like, no, that's not the philosophy of the Satanic Bible. That's not Satanism. We've defined it. You're writing on our curtails, and it's no. So basically, for that, and I understand where you're coming from, there is no distinction between the word Satanism and then having to define it into subgenres of theistic Satanist and Levian Satanist. There are just Satanists, and they apply the edicts and the codified philosophy as described in the satanic bible so yeah we just say we're satanists and where satanism is concerned it's all based on anton lavey's writing anton lavey's writing so not an actual uh supernatural entity no. so if that's not the the basis of it uh what in uh lavey's uh writing is the is the basis if 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 not um an entity that you worship mm-hmm. what 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 is the 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 foundation okay satan for satanists getting rid of the levian theistic type view satanism as defined by the satanic bible satan is a symbol a metaphor a mythology an emotional driving force that Satanists relate to. It's a very, for one of a limited vocabulary, an atheistic philosophy, mm-hmm. which does not believe in an external deity or the supernatural. Right. However, as opposed to atheism, which says there is nothing, 
Nothing emotionally drives me other than science and cold hard facts. Satanists, we feel that we're emotionally driven by mythology. Uh, if I can jump back a bit, it's in modern, there's a lot of people who, when they, in Australia, we have the census thing and mm. the census for those globally who may be watching is an Australian thing which governs basically religious beliefs and personal philosophies and um, I guess culture that's within Australia and it's every four years they say what's your belief system just for statistical purposes mm. and a lot of people put down oh if you put down Jedi then Jedi will be you know <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> acknowledged yeah, yeah. as an actual religion sure which is fine but None of us, since George Lucas, you know, introduced us to the Jedi philosophy and so forth, believe that the Jedi were real or that the Force is real. Yeah. But it's a concept that we've taken on board and a lot of people feel akin and emotionally driven by, to the point that they're willing to have it as a religion. To a Satanist, Satan is a symbol and a myth that emotionally drives us and we're connected to. So hence we're different from atheists. And an atheist has said, it's... Myths, the whole lot, they're just myths and stories. They have emo no emotional drive or no substance to us. Mm. A Satanist says, I like the idea and the concept in the mythology of a fallen angel who said, fuck you, God. We are allowed to swear, I'm assuming. We're right? definitely encouraged to swear. So we're fucking a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're in the wild west of the, the wild internet. West. Where yeah, we're yeah, not yeah, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> we're not uh, okay. censored by uh, <laughs> indeed, any entity. So um, my apologies to the American watchers who may be seeing this because you know, <laughs> we're, we're Australian. Just yep. accept it. Um, Australian cunt. Yeah, cunt. Yep. Anyway, back, back on track to the question. Basically, Satan for us is a symbol. It's a mythology. We understand that. And the Satanic Bible doesn't lock down what Satan has to be to a Satanist. The Satanic Bible gives you a philosophy mm -hmm. and an ideology that you either agree with or don't agree with based on personal human traits. If you mm -hmm. don't agree with them, you're not a Satanist. If you do and you like the imagery, the um, mythology and the emotional drive that the term Satan gives you, then you naturally fall into place as being a Satanist. In a nutshell, the, the myth of Satan is Satan is an angel, Lucifer originally, the bringer of light, who in certain Gnostic uh, philosophies and the Yazidis created the reality and the world of the flesh and the mundane. Mm. Okay, So automatically it wasn't God. God was in charge of the spiritual and the la-di-da, airy-fairy stuff, whereas Satan <laughs> was like the carnal... I can feel this, I'm living it, the reality. Mm. So already there in certain mythologies, Satan was the creator of the world. Satan in a lot of mythologies, not just the Judaic stuff, but various other things, uh, basically rebelled against God because that persona did not like to be oppressed by a God. And so was cast out from the heavenly realm of heaven, cast into either hell or earth, the same thing. As far as we're concerned, the various myths always link it to Earth. And eventually that Satan became, through mythology, the, the symbol of rebellion against a spiritual, tyrannical figure. And in mythology, in the book of Genesis, which is traced back, you know, so many thousands of years in Judaism, but is also inspired by various 
Sumerian myths and Babylonian myths as mm. well, which I won't go into. It's very you can research this. You've got the interweb out there, people. Yeah, guys. You know, we yeah. live in the age of information. You should read up on this Indeed. stuff. Th- there's not just porn. Uh, there's also... What? <laughs> no. I mean, porn does exist. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy the porn. It, ca- it can distract you from the information that's on there, but there is also... There is also yeah. stuff that you can know about. Yes, yes. Okay, so basically, Satan then eventually, through the mythology, became... The serpent. You can read Milton's Paradise Lost, mm-hmm. which you know he looked at the serpent and and became the serpent and things like that. And God forbade Adam and Eve, first man and woman, not to eat off the tree of knowledge. Everyone says the tree of death. Not true. It was actually the tree of knowledge to become as gods, but God, the God figure, did not want humans basically to became to become uh, empowered with knowledge. Okay, so Satan symbolizes the tempting serpent that says, be as gods, eat of the fruit of knowledge, know thyself, know the world, know good and evil, which are totally subjective viewpoints. But when you gain knowledge, you can see, you know, the, 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 the blinders are removed and you become empowered with wisdom itself. And so for us, Satan as a serpent provided humanity with wisdom, science, and the knowledge of the arts and creativity. And were, in fact, banished from Eden or Paradise because of that as punishment. So for us, that's what, in a nutshell, Satan symbolizes as a mythology. How, how were you introduced to LeVay's idea of Satanism? And um, how did you get to the point, like, what drew you to it? And how did you get to the point where you were actually a representative of the Church of Satan in yeah. Australia? Okay. So, basically, I grew up a little bit of history about myself. Uh, Only child, mother, father unknown, no siblings. Uh, My mother was very uh, supportive of whatever my views were. Okay, so no problem whatsoever. So whatever I got into, she was 100% behind me. So there's no oppressive, like, you can't get into that, that's bad. I was allowed free weight, and so it was good. So I lived in a, a very a good household that nurtured my enthusiasm for whatever passion I was into. So that being said, uh, at a very young age, I started exploring the occult. And I can say that Star Wars, uh, Kiss, are two (laughs) main impacts of me being influenced to the darker aspects of the mysteries of the world. Sure. So, you know, any metalhead who's been around since the 70s or early 80s can understand Kiss and Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons was my my icon, right? Mm. That demon figure of the blood the fire the whole thing and i loved various horror films i loved the idea of demons and things like that and just mystical stuff and just science fiction in general Mm. so although i agreed with the mythology of modern pop culture through star wars and the emotive things that kiss evoked in some of their lyrics whether or not they supported that ideal or not it was presumed through the media sure. that they were into the darker yeah. aspects of, they were of the nice uh, the dark days of nights in Satan's service yeah yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> yeah um so basically uh that, growing up in that i i delve naturally into various myths just from my own study and my mother at the time worked in a printing firm and uh basically what happened is i live in a, a small town called wollongong which is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. 
and uh, she worked in this printing firm and a Sydney group, an occult group, who were into paganism and so forth and Crowley and things like that, were getting shunned. And this is the 80s. Like, we're talking 83 or something like that. Okay. Uh, they were getting shunned from the Sydney areas saying, we're not, you know, you're, you're, you're pagans, you're satanic, you're evil and so forth. And they were getting pushed away from all these things. And they had their own need to produce this magazine for their own network of people that they were connecting with. And so they had to resort to an hour and a half away down in Wollongong and my mum was working for the Springford. And she knew I had an inclination towards the mysterious and weird shapes and artistic sort of interpretations of dark aspects and demons and things like that. And their magazine was full of classical imagery of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she said, hey, David, this will be interesting to you. And she just gave me this magazine and went, whoa, this is cool. And so I read this stuff about Crowley and things like that. Mm. Nothing about LeVay or Satanism. However, it did have one article, which was an interpretation of a play. I don't know if it was old or early. And it had Satan as a figure and mating with Lilith. And it can, you know, conveyed Satan as a, a, uh, a he-goat and Lilith as a she-wolf and things like that. And all these metaphors, it was all symbolic and things like that. Mm. There's all these various things that I just went, whoa, this is so cool. I, yeah. It's all myth, but it's just cool. And then it started going into Alistair Crowley's uh, magic and concepts of that. And I went, this is really cool. And I love the aesthetics and you know, oh, yeah. runes and stuff like that. I was like, oh my God, this is just oh, this is not boring crap. This is... Um, <laughs> and these people leave it? This is cool. And robed figures and had photo shoots of pagan uh, ceremonies and stuff that were done in Sydney out in Western, you know, and people wearing robes. And, you know, instant the psyche. It's just like robed figures. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's the Force. <laughs> it's the Jedi. All this subconscious stuff was leading to this, this pivotal moment of me going... Okay, I love this type of shizer. This is great. <laughs> this is this is the cool stuff. I'm just driven towards it. And so I started reading various things, you know, reading the Bible and things like that. Um, growing up, my mum was semi-religious in a Christian vein, but didn't force that up on me. Right. But because she was an only mother and so forth and didn't really have a network of friends, she went to church eventually. And I went to church probably two or three times as a young kid. Mm and uh, went to these Sunday churches and felt boring, blah, 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 and then went to these Sunday school things where they started teaching you. And luckily I was, you know, at one of the Sunday schools where I started talking about the devil and Satan. And they were going through pretty accurately from the Bible what Satan was, you know, blah, blah, blah. He made them eat from the true knowledge so they become as God. And I thought, cool, you can become like God. That's awesome. So mm. Satan, I was seeing all the positives and everyone was going, ooh, you know, you <laughs> yeah, don't become like God. Yeah. That's evil. I was thinking, this is pretty cool. Like, this is cool. So I was getting it from a mythological viewpoint of like, that's an empowering thing. So that was in my subconscious as well. Mm. Then eventually uh, went through high school and started getting into the, the metal type stuff, you know. So basically what's going to happen is I evolved through this basic foundation and then went to high school and things like that, got into Maiden, you know, got into the proper metal stuff and, and all this underground stuff. Back in Wollongong, 
We didn't know about Utopia. I stumbled across Utopia by oh. accident. Utopia, for those internationally who are going to see this, is a heavy metal shop which has been around since the 70s and it supports just metal and it imports all these random bands that now you fuckers in new generational land haven't a clue about because you've got the interweb <laughs> back then uh-uh you 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 basically heard of a band through magazines if you were lucky to get magazines and went mm. i've never heard this band i'm going to buy it because i've heard they're awesome and then you get it and you go there's a risk and you're just like yeah. oh my god what the fuck this is fucking awesome <laughs> that's how metal was in the 80s kids anyway so I grew up and basically got into the metal and all that stuff and discovered and all this subconscious stuff about the myth of Satan I started getting into man you know I feel a strong resonance about it but I'm pretty atheistic about mm. my view so I don't believe there's a force out there but I like the satanic imagery I like the mythology it just resonates with me which just for some reason so I started creating my own religion and I heard of that there is a Satanism and obviously being into bands like Venom and Slayer and things like that and King Diamond, mm-hmm. I knew there was a Satanism and so forth, but I didn't know much about the Church of Satan or anything along those lines. So I started delving into it and then I created my own religion, okay, just for myself. And I decided to call it Satanism just because I thought, fuck it, Satanism is just a term that's used for anything that uses Satan, right? Sure. Fuck it, this yeah. is mine. And I started writing my own Ten Commandments mm. of what I thought life was like and so forth. Mm. Now, basically, when I studied uh, fine arts, I eventually told someone this and just, you know, spouse it just over a few beers and they said, you've just described Satanism. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, no, 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 it's already been created. I've got a copy of the Satanic Bible. I went, you've got a copy of that? I've heard about it, but never knew it existed or anyone in Wollongong actually had it. This yeah. was again before the interweb. So, yeah. You couldn't just get a hold of it. It was like you had to know someone because it wasn't a common book mm. that you get hold of. And so he had a copy of it. It's a rolled, tattered copy and so forth and things like that from one of the early editions ever published in Australia. I now own that as well, the original copy that he showed me. Oh, that's very cool. really cool. So it's a part of my, my library. Yeah. Um, I said, man, do you want this anymore? He's like, no, no, it's mine. Thank you. <laughs> and then, okay, so I read the Satanic Bible and I'm like, oh, fuck. It's already been written for me. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 there. Everything, the imagery, except plus more. Every view that I had, and I was formulating to my own religion of Satanism, it's already there. And I thought, fuck. Oh well, I guess I, I called it the right thing. It was Satanism. That's great. And I might as well, you know, put my two bob in with these guys because they're around the world and so forth. And then it was a matter of hunting down the Church of Satan, which luckily. One uh, book that I'd been uh, reading and so forth in the library. Mm. Libraries are a place where you can actually rent books. Books are basically... They don't um, exist anymore. Yeah, books don't probably (laughs) exist. But anyway, they were for paper, which is a tangible sort of flat thing. It had writing on. This is sort of semi-like a book. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah, exactly. You look at symbols and you hallucinate. Indeed, indeed, that's a book. And so basically read this book and it was an occult book and it had the actual address of the church of satan like, i mean not the postal address but the california street address of the church of satan i went i'm writing the church of satan and yeah. just wrote yeah and six months later mm. i was sent this welcome pack a, 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 a welcome pack a welcome pack saying blah 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 here's your red document blah blah blah. if you wish to join the church of satan you must fill out this form blah 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 if you wish to be an active member complete all this information 
And so I did. And that was around about 1991. Uh-huh. Um, I was around about 17 at the time, turning uh, 18. And so I said, you need to be over 18 and so forth. So I was mm. like, cool. And this was all the while, you know, enthusiastic showing my mum. And she was like, yeah, cool, go for it. Yeah, my mum was fucking awesome. Thanks, mum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was like totally supportive. Like, yeah. And eventually, basically, joined the Church of Satan uh, at legal age. Uh, and during the meantime, it was in the 1992s. Like in America, there was the big uh, satanic panic right. in Australia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they started going, oh, you know, satanic sacrifices, blah, 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 all this bullshit pseudo-Christian crap that went on. And I wrote an article, a letter, sorry, to a local rag. I'm not even going to mention the name of because it's pathetic, this news, <laughs> newspaper. And uh, wrote in saying, look, that previous article you said was garbage, blah, blah, blah. Here's Satanism, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, a member of the Church of Satan, etc. And then if you wish to contact me, you know, obviously privately, they said, yeah, yeah great. Got my contact details. And all of a sudden, influx of media people just yeah, started right. calling me and started writing to me blah 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 then I had applied as an active member of the Church of Satan Anton LaVey and uh, Blanche Martin at the time said you're more than qualified uh, you're pretty articulate go for it represent us and that was back in the early 1990s and it just escalated from there so it went straight wide uh, Triple J which is an Australian metal uh, well, music music radio station <laughs> So it was my metal. It was once upon a time a metal. Metal thing now it's no longer. Occasionally uh, metal. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, ABC Radio uh, uh, appeared on TV. Uh, Fox, Foxtel, and things like this thing called the Graveyard Shift. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I don't know if it's on the interweb because before things were downloaded and illegally put up. Uh, this is all under the name of. I took a. I guess a persona called Jaisman Rubicante. Uh, and didn't use my real name uh, just for security reasons sure. just to keep it different and so forth and things like that yeah. um, and then yeah and basically just represented the Church of Satan from there so that's how that evolved and that's my natural inclination in a long winded way to your first question <laughs> wow. this has no, been no, one no, hell no. of a long interview it's kids. fine it's fine that's, one, uh, that's amazing one thing I um I wanted to ask you about that you were saying where you essentially wrote your own Ten Commandments mm. and uh, for those of you out there who may not be familiar uh, the Satanic Bible does have nine statements that you live your life by. Uh, I just wanted to ask, yes. um, how do the nine statements come into play in your daily life? But also, being a musician as well and dealing with people in the business and industry side of music, how do these these statements apply? Are there any particular ones that you think stand out for the people who are metalheads or musicians, creators? Okay. The first and foremost, the, the first of the nine satanic statements is Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Uh, the important point is indulgence and not compulsion. Now, the nine satanic statements are a nice overview of what the satanic philosophy is. There's also additional things such as the 11 satanic rules of the earth, which basically are guidelines of how to interact socially. And there's also hmm. eventually the nine satanic sins, which are personal attributes which you may fall into, which could be detrimental to you. So when the word sin comes up, it's it's very ironic that a satanic thing, a satanic philosophy uses the word sin as, eh, it can be used as bad when we're like, indulge in sin, because sin's good. <laughs> Certain sins. <laughs> so these are sins which are detrimental to a Satanist. But the first of the nine satanic statements is Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. The satanic Bible 
jumps into it. Now, the satanic, the nine satanic statements, I feel are a nice encapsulation of the actual satanic Bible philosophy as held in the book of Leviathan. Now I'm going to jump around and you'll find that I do this <laughs> people at home and these guys are used to it. I'll divert <laughs> around and then bring it back to the original question. So indulge me, pun intended. So basically the satanic Bible is broken up into four sections based on the four crown princes of hell from mythology. So the book, first book is the book of Satan, which is more of a, um, a diatribe, uh, a, a rabble rousing sort of type mm. thing uh, very old school fire and brimstone hail Satan type stuff sure then the main content of the satanic philosophy of Satanism is held in the second book which is the book of Lucifer the book of enlightenment then you have the book of Belial which is basically how to use magic in greater and lesser magic which I may get into later ah, okay. and then you have the book of Leviathan which is the actual chanting or the verb uh, the verbal usage in magic uh, to actually conjure and tap into magical sources. Yes, you're going, but they're atheists, they don't believe in magic. Hold on to your seats, kids. <laughs> so basically, the the Nicotanic statements encapsulate the Book of Lucifer, which contains majority of where Satanism as a codified religion comes from. So one of the very first ones is Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. In the Satanic Bible, it says it's very important that one indulges in fun things however not compulsively so it's indulgence not compulsion there's a difference there mm. compulsion is usually as a generic thing you suppress emotions they build up and because you're trying to suppress them and hinder them they become very extreme emotions have you ever bottled up anger yeah and you, you end up you know you're in your work fire and you're like fucking fuckers hurting me today i've got to be professional in the workplace get home your loved one how was your day fuck off that is compulsion because it's built up. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't recommend this. <laughs> One of the satanic sins is stupidity, so don't be stupid. But you need a catharsis. So you need a way of alleviating it, uh, any sort of negative aspect so it doesn't build up to be a compulsion. So it's a balance. And indulgence is knowingly in submitting to your own desires so long as they don't hurt or be a hindrance to anyone else or right. your own positive lifestyle. And going in with intelligence, basically, it's rational self-interest is the basis of Satanism. So that's where the nine satanic statements sort of come in. They're an encapsulation of what Satan as a symbol for the philosophy represent. Uh, so how, how does that come into play when you are dealing with people in the music industry? For in the music industry, yeah. right. That's a fun one. Luckily, I'm in the metal music industry, so it actually it actually is a bonus point. Like you know, there's a lot of bands out there, um, Slayer, <clears throat> who say they're satanic and have satanic lyrics, um, but you know, Tom Array is actually a Catholic and things like that. Yeah, and they're just you know, and look, Tom Array seems like a lovely, lovely guy and a beautiful guy to hang out with. Like, sure. you know, lovely guys. However, what's Slayer representing is not Satanism. Venom in the early days, and fuck, major fucking Venom fan. <laughs> like, fucking love Venom. Cronos um, and so forth, they use the Satanic Bible as the basis of their lyrics and so forth. However, they also, for the shock value, use the anti Christian and sure. the, the Christian propaganda of like child sacrifice, you know, sacrifice, you know, ASAC, blah, 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 plunge a dagger in a breast, I insist, blah, blah, blah. All that 
that stuff. But, you know, Cronus is always, in interviews currently, you'll know he refers to Satanism and the Satanic Bible in his interviews in a very intelligent way. Hmm. Um, so he's very Satanic and he's, he is a Satanist. Whether or not he's a member of the Church of Satan, that's his personal thing. And whether or not he is, uh, you know, but as a Satanist, he is a Satanist. The things he puts forth as venom is playing on the shock value and so forth and things like that. So it's not what I would call satanic in the viewpoint of purely the codified religion of Satanism, but mm. it has aspects that are there, but it's more about shocking. It's more about the kids rebelling and things like that, which is all cool and understands the entertainment value. How do you get people like King Diamond? Okay, who is a member of the Church of Satan? He was back in, you know, in the early days, a member of the Church of Satan. And he was, you know, strong connections with Blanche Barton and Anton LaVey back in the day and things like that, uh, around when I was also connected with them. Uh, and still am but uh, there are certain metal sort of like bands out there who use the satanic thing as just something that's not something that's true to them mm, right it's it's not something that they live by it's literally just a piece of propaganda or a tool so or they can promote a, a gimmick it it's a gimmick yeah. mm. exactly one for a better word it's a gimmick what, what you're saying there kind of fits into what we're looking at, which is more of a behind the scenes kind of thing. So like more po- personal philosophies and stuff and um, keeping within the music industry and mm, stuff. Uh, LaVey in the Satanic Bible discusses uh, psychic vampires and about refusing to turn the other cheek with one's enemies. Mm. I'm sure you've dealt with this kind of thing before when uh, organizing shows and stuff. I know we've certainly yeah. dealt with a little bit I of that. Guys definitely have, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, psychic vampires and people who align themselves as uh, enemies based on nothing more than their own s- insecurities. How does a Satanist deal with uh, people like that? Okay. So for those out there, a psychic vampire is a. a a term that Anton LaVey coined uh, and it's a part of the, one of the nice satanic statements which basically says Satan represents um, responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. A psychic vampire is someone who you find emotionally draining. Someone who basically make you feel obliged yet they don't offer anything in return. So it's not a mutual symbiotic relationship, it's a parasitic relationship. Hence your energy just feel drained. The person you feel, oh, I've got to go around such and such's house. Why? I just, they complain, they fucking Facebook me and fucking (laughs) whinge and complain because I'm not fucking like their fucking message and they're whinging all the time. I I just fucking to ease the fucking relationship so I'm not bothered with shit. I've just got to go there and hang out with them or like their fucking inane crap that they <laughs> put on Facebook. Does this sound like someone you know? <laughs> Quite probably. Most likely. So this is something that we, this is why we wanted to ask you and uh, especially seeing as though that it's set out in the book that there are ways to deal with these people. So uh, are there recommendations for us or, or for people who are in similar situations? Okay, it depends, obviously, certain situations are subjective. Yeah. So, um, you guys in the music industry, and it's probably going to get you in trouble because people who might be, these people might be watching. I don't know. (laughs) I think, I think if, if they're, if they're watching and listening and, um, they feel as though it's aimed towards them, I think it says more about themselves than it does about us, (laughs) but 
Exactly. You heard it. <laughs> yeah. You heard it. And if you fuck with these guys, I will hunt you down. I'm a trained ninja as well, so I will. Uh, yes, indeed. That's something else we could talk about we for quite a while. Later. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, a psychic vampire in your life will be someone that you find is detrimental to you. You feel obliged to, but yet you don't know why. Mm. They don't provide anything of substance. They don't provide, and I don't mean, oh, Satanism's of course going to say there's no material reward and so forth. Beyond material reward, I don't mean fucking they provide you with physical money or anything like that. I mean emotional satisfaction. I hate this word, spiritual satisfaction. Whenever I say spiritual, by the way, it'll mean emotional content. Mm. Okay, so just so you're aware when I use the term spiritual. There will be nothing productive. There will be nothing that you can learn from or grow from. Mm. It's like you're throwing into a black hole a void. Something that just sucks away. Your psyche, your very essence is just drained whenever you converse with them. It's always, oh man, I've learned this thing today, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll be blankly looking at you and just be like, yeah, but anyway, I've got this cool <laughs> thing and my Facebook page does this and blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And you're like, okay, well, I think this. Anyway, I don't care what you think, but anyway, it's so cool, isn't it? It's, it's a one-sided thing. It's a black hole and you're mm. fucking throwing... Your energy into me is like, why am I fucking hanging out with these people? Mm. They're just draining me. So, so how do, how I don't do know you... if that explains, that, that answers your question, does well, it? If it doesn't, well, tell me. Well, how, how do you deal with someone like that? Yeah, like, how do you... The Satanic Bible says, drive the fr- proverbial state through their heart. Uh, okay. if, even more so, like someone who is just against you for reasons of their own when you've done nothing in return... The nothing to inspire such feelings yeah. of hatred. Like, okay. I think it was, yeah, uh, don't turn the other cheek when it comes to your enemies. What's your interpretation? Of okay. That? Now, that's where it becomes a little bit more extreme. Sure. Uh, in its, I guess, its tendrils to reach out to certain aspects. So, basically, the premise, which comes from uh, the Book of Satan, which is the satanic diatribe, is a, a phrasing there which says, uh, pretty much to paraphrase, don't turn the other cheek. You know, if a man slaps you on cheeks, you know, smash him on the other cheek, smash him hip and thigh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which basically means if someone fucks you over, fuck them over back. Vengeance. And vengeance, instead mm. of turning the other cheek, literally. Mm. And which is one of the nice satanic statements Satan represents uh, vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Right. So basically, what you're looking at there is you could. Pinning psychic vampires and enemies into one thing. I personally mm. don't. A psychic vampire, can you be your enemy? Mm. Sure. If you're not aware of them. Sure. To be so. But they're an enemy through uh, surreptitious means, I guess. Sure. They're, they're like an enemy by stealth. Mm. They sort of like, you know, uh, an infiltration. Yeah. You know, that sort of gets I, in. I, th- I think reading about them, uh, I felt that there was a link, especially uh, with experiences that we've had with the club. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that they can often uh, be an enemy in disguise. Uh, they're just kind of, I don't know, maybe taking on the the mindset that uh, to keep your enemies close and so come under the guise as a friend, as you were saying. So I just, I just felt there was kind of a link there between enemies and psychic vampires. Some, yeah. some are just more blatant there. than yeah. others. There's definitely a, an enemy connection to the psychic vampire. Sure. There, but you know, usually an enemy is a lot more blatant. Sure. sure. Okay. And, in, 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 you know, sort of like, I guess... 
terminology and so forth for a psychic vampire is, as I said earlier, enemy myself, who's sort of there. But they, they themselves may not even see themselves as an enemy. They mm. themselves may not even know. But they just have this need to just drain you because they themselves have no substance. They're not creative. Mm. If they are, it's of a very mediocre quality. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to provide you. If it's a monetary sort of thing, they'll have very low income or they don't have financial backing to support anything that they're offering. Okay. Right. So yeah, you guys are nodding. Going, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. can, you can see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Things going on behind Indeed. my eyes. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just that thing. Whereas an enemy is blatantly, I am against you and they're a lot more overt. The whole point of doing this podcast and, and, and we're sort of learning about different belief systems. We're learning about well, uh, this, this episode in particular. Well, yeah, yeah this, this episode and well, the next one as well, but sure. uh, we'll talk about that later. But um, so we're learning about different belief systems and how to learn with different situations. Uh, but not only that though, but we're kind of also personally looking for advice uh, from people from different walks of life and, and directions to take Deft Orbit Metal. Uh, and with what you know about the club now, I mean, mm. we've spoken through the afternoon before doing this podcast. Uh, what is your perspective as a Satanist on dealing with, uh, say, stagnation or revitalizing ourselves so we can keep sharing our love, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the thing is, you guys have passion for music and so forth, and metal in particular, obviously. Um, I personally advise... And again, foundation of the satanic thing is like, don't give me one of the 11 satanic resolutions. Don't give advice or opinions unless asked. You've mm. asked me, so I'm giving my advice. <laughs> Great. Indeed. So um, my opinion for you guys for the Death to All But Metal is to not saturate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. People become bored by the routine sometimes. So they may want to pace it. Mm-hmm. at a better level so it's more can go like obviously you've got to consider seasonal attributes in right. winter not many people want to go out sure mm-hmm. okay during summer people have commitments so your best sort of thing would be during sort of like the um the equinox period sort of like you know the the, the spring autumn yeah fall sure. for the american guys out there <laughs> uh sort of seasonal sort of things so probably Pace it out. Mm-hmm. Probably a bi-monthly thing. Mm-hmm. You would need to, I guess, have... And the cool thing about you guys is you are very supportive of up-and-coming metal bands. Of course. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is... Yeah. Man, that's 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 the new thing, right? That's mm. this... It's it's originality comes out. Sometimes you get the bands who are just like, well, they're cliched as fuck, but fuck it. You know, they're passionate and they love it because they're young and whatnot. Mm. Great fucking support it and so forth but sometimes you get gems in there you're just like whoa what the fuck is this this yeah. is like it sounds like this metal genre but they're doing something that's fucking way groovier and just fucking I just want headbang and fucking just imagine air guitaring just the cool riffs <laughs> just you know you get those bands and you guys are supportive of that you know but the thing is you need to balance it out so I'd recommend mm-hmm. is get the bands who are established that know you can get supportive things as the headliner uh, type thing 
but get the unknowns to play with these bands and things like that. And I know you guys are bands up from Tasmania and fucking, you know, mm. all other areas and stuff like that to get that sort of vibe happening. But you need to sort of pace it and things like that. Uh, Sydney band, for those who don't know, and a stupid and dumb, sadistic execution. Yeah, you, <laughs> you Nordic motherfuckers know what I'm talking about. They fucking always advertised um, their fucking gig as the last gig ever. Yeah. Uh, and yeah it was like that's last brilliant. gig fucking yeah. ever right, so everyone fucking rocks up that's why they got you know, <laughs> morbid angels blessed are the sick fucking support and shit like that so last last fucking gig ever fucking rah, rah, rah. it's like we know it's not rock and dave and everyone else involved. <laughs> but fuck it you're sadistic execution and we understand but they don't saturate the market with their product their music they don't fucking saturate it so that's the thing you've got to be careful uh, of saturating with the same bands over and over within too much of a short time frame because that would motive you know we saw them last month why do we want to see them again exactly for for the first year of Death Tour but Metal we never had the same band on twice which is awesome which is awesome so these are just certain things I've or revise and things like that and obviously listen to the feedback as you guys have been um you know not the direct feedback but the walking <laughs> around on you guys you know do, do the very smart intelligent thing which is gather intelligence by hanging and mm. listening yeah, yeah. rather uh, see what people are saying behind our backs rather than straight to our face exactly. <laughs> that's the truth like, is that, of course it's, yeah you know if they don't think we're the listening facade. then they're more open and exactly. uh, yeah, honest. honest yeah exactly that's Indeed. what you want well that's been great well look thank yeah, you thank so you much for your that. advice totally cool uh, yeah. appreciate that for sure um, oh, well, uh, we definitely wanted to ask if we could play a Children of Perdition song Absolutely. for the podcast as well. Absolutely. Um, is there a song that you'd like to recommend for us to play okay. or you'd like the listeners to hear? Um, okay, uh, one of the one that seems to go down well at gigs and is one of my personal favourites is uh, Hell Hath No Fury Like a Devil Scorn, which is basically, obviously, the, the phrase of you know hell hath no fear like a woman scorned but this is from a satanic viewpoint and it's basically uh looking at religious spiritual religions which force their ideology on people and the satanic reaction to that which is fuck off we don't need your shit being forced down our throats um look we've been patient and yeah you're forcing on us okay we've been tolerant but no no more that's brilliant. Awesome. That's that's what you want to hear in metal. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, it sounds like the you know the perfect metal song from that description. You know, so we'll we'll, we'll hear that coming up. Uh, but before we let you go, uh, there was just one more thing that we wanted to ask you about. Uh, Pink is my favorite color. <laughs> that's all we needed. Thank no. yeah, yeah. But besides the the favorite color. <laughs> there's a legend about uh, Robert Johnson you, you know the legend of uh, old uh, blues mu- musician oh the, the crossroads they went to like the that. crossroads uh, now I, I know that kind of idea of the devil that comes across in that legend mm. isn't really in keeping with uh, necessarily with the, the church of satan or uh, the satanic bible or anything Darren like Dayside, who's one of the church of satan members may, may sort of go fucking know if it's in 
<laughs> Gordon's room. His satanic viewpoint. Really? Maybe, I don't know, Darren, or just my apologies if it isn't. <laughs> sure. But uh, he's very blues based guitarist and COS member. But anyway, go on. Sorry. But, <laughs> but interrupted. The, there are, there are uh, satanic rituals, and uh, the, the satanic Bible talks about satanic magic and stuff yeah. like that. And. Um, I think there's a, a chapter in there about selling your soul and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like Robert Johnson uh, reportedly, uh, supposedly did uh, in yeah. the legend. Mm. If if someone were to reenact the famous Crossroads legend, what uh, might they say or do uh, okay. from the modern uh, satanic viewpoint? Well, you have to go, fuck, can I play against Steve Vai? <laughs> 80s movie reference there oh, yeah. Yeah. just in case with the karate kid anyway uh, okay so okay that reference that you had with the satanic bible and uh there's a chapter in the book of leviathan that says which is titled hell the devil and hell to sell your soul which is the summarization of the mythology and things like that mm. Anton LaVey being a carny Mm. all about the fucking sensationalism man sure. yeah. and everyone fucking cuts down Anton LaVey like oh man he was kind of he just sensual, sensationalized stuff to sell rational philosophy yeah <laughs> uh, fucking dickhead of course he fucking did <laughs> um, yeah it's like oh that's so fucking underhanded and shit like that uh, he's calling the religion Satanism and you're freaking about underhandedness? Fucking smart people versus fucking idiots. <laughs> so basically, that chapter, Hell the Devil and Hell to Sell Soul, is, is, is historical. And, and the, the selling of your soul type thing, obviously, from a satanic viewpoint, there is no soul. And the Book of Leviathan in that chapter states that it was created by the Christian church, that, you know, people would sell their soul to the devil. So if you come get baptized by the Christian church... Money. <laughs> it does know. sound like a bit of a carny thing in itself when you really analyze <laughs> it. Uh, uh, and that's all that phrase is in the Satanic Bible, just right. in the history. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. So it's Gary and Tane here at Crossroads. <laughs> Not the bar or and the movie set. We're literally at a crossroads. And it's uh, very close to midnight. Uh, you can probably hear cars and stuff going past because it is actually a pretty busy crossroads. We were thinking, you know, it'd be great to get somewhere nice and nice and picturesque and quiet, you know, a dusty country road, somewhere where Robert Johnson himself might have found, but the realities of living in the inner west of Sydney exactly. uh, are constraining us. So look, it's not in keeping with the ideologies put forth by the Church of Satan. But the, the legend, like, we wanted to try all different kinds of things. So we wanted to talk to people from all different walks of life. And look, if it's good enough for Robert Johnson, it's good enough for, for us, Yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely, you know. And so if there is a devil, uh, we're going to try to uh, get them uh, to come forward and maybe help us out with the club a bit. Yeah, so we we actually did kind of scope out the crossroads and they were all too busy because it's like not all of these people can be Satan. There was a guy with a big with a big double bass. We thought maybe, maybe it was too big to be a fiddle. Yeah, uh, and we're not in Georgia. Yeah, so 
And then we'll get a stop at another one outside of a school. Team, and then... team, team. It's getting close to midnight. Oh, Let's... oh, oh, yeah, sure. All right, here we go. Lucifer. Satan. Beelzebub. Please show yourself. Come forward. We, we need your help. And give, then... a, give a brother a break. In return... Uh, you will have our mortal souls. Uh, we want just even moderate success with yeah. the Death Torba medal. Look, we're not asking heaps, like, you know, well, actually, I was going to say you're not a miracle worker, but I suppose you're supposed to be, but... Even, even if it just wasn't so hard to book bands. Yeah. Uh, like, more bands uh, agreed to come play at our gig. So, look, and like maybe, you know, like all the people who say they're going to come, like may, may all our interesteds be goings? Be goings. May our goings be more than our interesteds. Yeah. Uh, so if, you, if you're there, if you're listening, and if you, if you dig metal, show yourself now. And right. it, uh, look, it's, it's gone past midnight now. I thought it might be that guy in the truck. Uh, no, I guess it wasn't. Damn. Uh, look, I guess uh, the, the the devil uh, looked at the, the proposition and saw that he was getting the raw end of the deal. <laughs> uh, only these two piddling souls probably wasn't worth it. Yeah, I mean, even if it was, we were going to go full Bacchanalian kind of exchange with flesh and whatnot, uh, I mean, I wouldn't. Well, I am naked, but yeah. uh, I guess maybe that was another uh, reason why the, the devil didn't show up. It could explain the cops who are a block away when we were first going to sit down and start recording too. But Look, we evaded maybe, them. Maybe, maybe it's more in keeping with what David was just telling us with uh, Satan being merely an idea or a philosophy that resonates with people or represents a certain side of humanity. Maybe it's not a thing, and maybe if we need help, uh, we're only going to find it ourselves and not rely on supernatural forces to do it for us. I think you're right, and as much as, I mean, David's an awesome guy, and I've got the utmost respect for him, and I was kind of, you know, hoping that maybe there was some, like, ritual stuff that might work. But, I mean, I guess we've got more people to go on to, right? We do. So this is the end of the first part of this uh, insane episode of the Death Talk About Metal podcast. Yeah. Uh, join us soon for part two with more interviews and more craziness. Yeah. Thanks heaps for listening, guys.
adventure.